Oh yeah, no, you need another clean rip, right? So <laughs> oh, God, yeah. oblige my very, very generous. Hit host. us with that. Hit us with How that clean rip. No. That's a chaos <laughs> Oh, I feel, I feel like I'm I'm morphing. <laughs> they can't tell you their names. They can't tell you where they live. But in the mid to late 90s, these five teenagers can turn into animals to fight an invading army of evil brain slugs. Five dumb teens are the only thing standing in the way of complete annihilation. This is Animorphing Time with Nate and Tyler. Get your hand off my girlfriend, you yerk-brained bastard! <laughs> this is for daddy. Uh, make it like half the bottle. Catherine Alice Applegate wouldn't want this. Doesn't want this. <laughs> <laughs> and like they're they're like no, stop shooting at children. Oh man, being twelve was weird. Yeah. So uh, should we just go ahead and pop this thing off then? Yeah. Let's let's pop it off. We're popping off. Okay. Let's pop off with a strong hard pop. Ready? Here we go. Ready? One, One two, two, pop. pop. We've popped. Welcome to Animorph Time. Always well, popping. Welcome to Pop a Pop and Time Pop with Pop Pop. <laughs> pop. I'm just gonna let. I'm just gonna. I was ready to, to leave that bit, but you were just you nope. were ready to like. I'm gonna call back to it so you can't edit it out. Yeah, right, cool. Hey, welcome to Animorphin Time with Nate and Tyler. <laughs> hey, welcome to North. Oh, welcome to Morphin Time. There's there's Nate over there. I am as always Tyler. Yes, welcome. And this is your your uh the, yeah, your the, bi weekly bi weekly every other week. Yes, uh, and we both like all. We like everybody bi-weekly. Yeah, trying to do like I'm attracted to everybody thing kind of thing. Pan weekly. <laughs> this is your pan weekly <laughs> Animorphs podcast. So uh, let's see. We're the People's Animorphs podcast. That's that's what I'm calling it. And today we've got a people with us. Yeah, joining us today we have an honorary canon Animorph, like legit. Michael Grant says this person's an Animorph. I, I see a certificate in their background that says legitimate Animorph is not fake. I see that too, listeners. This is all real. Uh, I mean, the Animorph thing is real. That's very real. They'll talk about it. We've got very patient with right-wing idiot poster. We got OG Animorph and Time fan. Animorph and fan number one or possibly two. Pretty much. When I yeah. had like five followers on Twitter... <laughs> this dude found me. I was like, hell yeah, this guy rocks. So today we're joined by Travis. Travis, welcome to Animorphin Time. Welcome. Thank you. It's very great to be here. It's great to have you. Like I said, OG Animorphin Time fan. I jumped into this fandom with my ass out and you caught me. I caught him uh, ass first. Honestly, in a lot of ways, you guys caught me. Uh, shout out to Animorphs Anonymous, another podcast. I don't know how much you guys... Cut his mic. I think other people cut his mic. Yeah, did, cut, did. cut it. Beep. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, they uh, they were wrapping up the series right around the time you guys started up. So I was, you know, hitting that point where it's like, well, shit, what are we going to listen to now? And <laughs> you guys swept in right at the right time. So oh, hell yeah. you listen to the best and now you're ready for the rest. Here we go. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> Here, here's an Animorphin Time promise. You ready for this? We will never stop doing this podcast. I mean, never. We'll, we'll stop when it's, we hit book 54, right? What? Like, yeah. We're not gonna like start from the beginning again. Just keep on going over the books. How else are we gonna? How else are we gonna hang? Never. No, I'm not. Gonna, I'm let's, gonna let's let's talk I'm, about. That's this. the last You're time I will see you. Start reading the world of fan fiction out there. Oh yeah, I can think of the first one I'd like to fucking yeah. read. Yeah, we have a couple bangers ready to go <laughs> when it comes to fan fiction time. I wouldn't put it past you. <laughs> oh no, there's one that 
I can't wait to do dramatic reading. It's fine. It's fine. We're not doing that. But Travis, today's about you. We like to ask all of our guests, what's their history with Animorphs? So what's your history with Animorphs? You know ours. Let's hear yours. So uh, back in, I don't know, fourth grade, I think it was, a friend of mine had read the first few and told me about it, got me on them. So I didn't quite catch on the very first book, but yeah, by book three to five or so, I was reading them month to month, and uh, they were probably my first real true fandom, right? They weren't the first books I had, chapter books I had read at all, but uh, yeah, they're the first books, the first story in general that really just caught me in that way, you know? Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, so I had a lot of friends who were reading them for the first uh, 20 to 40, but not a lot that actually stuck it through to the end, but I am somewhat obsessive in that way and would not let myself stop even when it got kind of weird. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm looking forward to that weird. The weird is the thing I'm most excited for. <laughs> I need more weird. Yeah, we don't we don't know much about being obsessive on this podcast. We're very casual about no. our Animorphs love and all that. We, we, yeah, I'll, le- I'll lean into that lie. It's fine. So yeah, we're talking about book number nine, The Departure. We got Cassie on front, standing in her gymnastics leotard with her arms out as she slowly turns into what looks like a monarch butterfly any 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 uh any ichthyologist out here is this a butterfly a monarch is this a monarch a little tease fact i'm 98 percent sure that it is a black swallowtail also known as a east american swallowtail but mm. there is a species that is extremely similar looking uh which is the ozark swallowtail the one that does a little bit more meth. <laughs> the only way that you can really tell them apart is by where the grubs or the caterpillars are feeding and what they are eating. Okay. All right. Uh, okay. I, I feel like I've heard the name Swallowtail Butterfly before. I'm uh, still going to say it's a monarch because all my mo- like butterfly facts that I know come from Venture Brothers. Yeah. You just want it to be a monarch yeah. butterfly. <laughs> it's, it's either that or a blue morpho. Those are the two that I know. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> what? I mean, yeah, it's clearly a swallowfly, like a swallowtail. As soon as he said that, I'm like, oh yeah, there's a booze that I enjoy that has this very same butterfly on it. Uh, <laughs> wow, yeah, uh, right. uh, content warning for alcoholism. Jeez, uh, I, I'm speaking of which. Oh, we have a drink. Oh, we do have a drink. <laughs> we speak about right. a drink. <laughs> we should talk about our Cassie themed drink. I, I, I love this drink so far. I mean, we've kind of been slacking on the drinks. Oh yeah, Travis got a drink too. Oh damn, what, what are you drinking, Travis? Uh, mine is not themed. I'm actually just not much of a drinker, so I drink one of the few things that I can really put away and have fun with without hating myself, and that's a Dark and Stormy. Ooh, Ooh that's good. excellent choice. That's Solid a choice. good drink. Uh, our drink, though, is purple. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> we got we got some purple drinks. So we started looking up some like butterfly-related drinks, and they all had like blue curacao in them, and I that see. shit's for... like. 21-year-olds in a club. Well, Tyler, you own a bottle of Blue Curacao. Yeah, for a drink that I made similar to this, and I've never had it ever again. And, it sits up there, percolating. And I, I decided, and I think rightly so, that um, both of us combined cannot own two bottles of Blue Curacao. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> so we got this drink. It's two parts vodka of choice. Mm-hmm. We got one part this purple flower liquor from Austria. I don't remember what it's called. Just a little bit of lemon sweet and sour, and then a lemon seltzer. It's actually pretty good. It's and, not bad. And I made it a little strong. I'm sorry, Nate. No, that's fine. It 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 tastes like a delicious flower. Yep. 
Which, uh, you know. Let's move on to our delicious flower, Cassie. Gross. <laughs> Before we do that, I did just realize, though, uh, while my drink is not particularly relevant, what I'm smoking tonight, going back to those colors, is Sunset Cake. Oh. Ooh. Ooh. A beautiful, the possibly last sunset cake. <laughs> yes. Those oranges and yellows from that from the cover, yeah? Yeah, no, I, I get you. I'm with you. Like, genuinely, this is a really good cover. One of the best cover morphs for sure. I, I, I like it because it's clean. You know, like it has a nice clean silhouette exactly. to it. Uh, the inside cover uh, is, you know, pretty neutral. It's just a picture of a, a very flat butterfly. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. It's, it's fine. You can phone that one. And we got our tagline. There's always room for a little change. Uh, uh, and, and this book, like, I was excited for this book because I knew nothing about it except that everyone enjoyed it, mm-hmm. uh, which was like a real treat for me because I had no idea what I was getting into. Um, and I had no spoilers on this book. Uh, so thank you, fan community, for not spoiling this book because yeah. I was kind of I, I was playing along with it. I was sold on the premise that we'll get to later. But uh I was really nervous about uh, Cassie and her fate. Yeah, because so far, the books we've had with Cassie... What, what are the books that we had with Cassie? We had Gratitude. Uh-huh. Oh, God. We so we started with Gratitude. We Next had... was Skunk Termites? Yep. Skunk Mites. The Skunk Mite book? Yeah. So she had a pretty big part in Megamorphs, too, in that she was a T-Rex. Uh, it doesn't count. Sure. I'm sorry, it doesn't count. I know they mentioned it in this book specifically <laughs> that they went back in time, but like, I'm sorry. It's not canon. I don't care about crab people. But... Cassie's arc up to this point so far has been one of fear and not being able to make a decision. Like, she's constantly struck with indecision. Like, you can even look at Megamorphs 1 when she said, do I distract the Valique and save Rachel or Marco? And she just sits there petrified. That's something that she does a lot. She... You know, she's supportive. She's there for the Animorphs, but she is not a fighter. She's not there to cause harm but prevent damage. Right. Right? Uh, she, she's never been thrilled with the war no. on a whole, and that's been pretty clear from the get-go. And any time um, she has to do violence, she's full of regret right. and, and, and fear. And so, like, the upper trajectory of Cassie has always been her doing a violence and then immediately regretting it and feeling like immense pain due to, to committing a violence, right? Like yeah. with the termites, like mm-hmm. she bit off the queen's head. Yep. <laughs> um, and again, like I don't care because they're termites. They don't care they're either, right. really. They're termites. Right. Her, her arc has always been about squaring the predatory, malicious nature of the world. Yeah, and it sounds like this is kind of the, the apex of her story arc, right? I mean, it sure feels like it. Yeah, like I, 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 yeah. I don't know where she goes. I mean, the whole story just goes completely ridiculous, is, and she gets swept up in that. But I'd say <laughs> that, yeah, this is probably the the pinnacle of like Pete Cassie, and and like I, I'm I'm glad because it's such a good story. Like I, I think that they peaked well with Cassie. You know, I, I really enjoyed it. I just my concern is, and I'll we can you know hit this later. But my concern is is that like. Now uh, this is kind of the, almost a conclusion to the Cassie story, right? Like she she's gone through her emotional arc, and now mm-hmm. it's just kind of everything else is just superfluous. Like, oh, is she gonna get with Jake or not? Like, honestly, I don't care. <laughs> but like, <laughs> God, I hope not. <laughs> but like, you know, um, well, I mean, we should we should just get into it. Yeah. So this book starts with the Animorphs fighting. They don't often start like this. Mm-hmm. And this yeah, th- this one starts very violently, too. That's my first note. Is this, is this the first book to open mid-battle? Yeah, I, I think it is. 
Well, yeah, like, and I'm so glad they started this way because we didn't need the setup. We really didn't. No. And other books would have gone for the setup. <laughs> right. Instead, this one's just like, what? They're at a sharing. Yeah, they, they see some Horkwager pulling someone into a spaceship saying, yeah. like, no, 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 I didn't do it. I didn't do it. Please, please, please. And so they jump into action to, they know what Visser 3 is going to do to yeah. this person saying, I didn't do it. They're going to get their head cut it off. It seems like a safe bet. Yeah. Yeah, there's only a couple there. And they turns think, out they're wrong. Yeah. So they they hop into it. They go at it with some hork And Cassie is in her wolf morph. She bites into a hork leg. And it describes ripping apart the muscle and the tendon. And you don't get that kind of violence from Cassie. You don't. You get that from a Rachel. Yeah, like, you don't get the detail, right? Yeah. Like, I took a tendon and ripped it off, and it flapped up like a window window uh, curtain. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, even Marco and Rachel, you don't get that degree of detail. But this kind of keys into how acutely aware of what she's doing Cassie is. It's what she's thinking about. Yeah, she's like, oh, I can feel that tendon snap under my teeth. Right. And... And so the the rest of the group are saying, time to get away. Like, this isn't worth it. This isn't going to pl- play out the way we want. So it's time to, to retreat. Yeah. Um, but Cassie is still going at this hork Yeah. Jake gives the call to, hey, let's do the super runaway, which is, you know, Tyler's favorite plan, his runaway. It's a good plan. <laughs> it works every time. It's worked every time in my life. Yeah. Like, whether it was that school shooting I was in or when there was a bomb at my hospital or personally with intimacy you just run away what's your what's your opinion of cowardice oh uh, (laughs) i think that yeah it's when done sensibly and tactfully uh the brave brave sir robin is (laughs) definitely a valid choice (laughs) I, i love it i'll always run away I want to say also about this fight scene, though, that it really also especially stands out because it's one of the few really action-y scenes we get in this book. It's overall a very uh, light on the violence for this series over on compared to the other books. Oh, yeah, yeah, and I'm grateful to like get less of the action scenes because those are always kind of the ones I just kind of... Gl- I, I go through those so quickly because I just don't care about like, oh, then Tobias juked right and, and juked left and took a couple eyeballs. Like, it's fun to see every so often just like a good old eyeball snatch. But like, it's not the parts I'm interested in. Yeah, it's like that whole idea that action is boring unless there's feeling behind what is acted upon. And in this one, when you get Cassie describing the tendons, you like intuitively read like, oh, the violence is the point here. Mm-hmm. That's where we're going with this. So so Jake says back off. Cassie does not. No, she sees a horkbajer laying down, and she she goes Liam Neeson the gray on its neck. See, I was gonna say MacGruber. <laughs> she goes oh, MacGruber yeah. on she, his neck. She does. <laughs> Just yeah. take, takes a couple necks. Yeah, she does take a neck. Throat lozenges. You're gonna want to take the whole box. Awesome. Got another throat rip in. Cool. Um, and, and well, this is like the thing that she keeps on thinking back to on through most of this book is taking the Harkbridge's neck because she didn't have to. Jake said, don't. Yeah. Um, but she did it anyways. Yeah. She, she went against her nature. And she realized doing so she felt nothing. Yeah. Which shit. 
Yeah, and and, and she, she carries that with her, yeah. right? So th- they 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 book it. They eventually leave. Yeah, and Cassie feels some eyes watching her, but she doesn't pay it any mind really. Yeah, yeah. But I don't know uh, why I'm doing the foreshadowing for the book. <laughs> we're gonna, we're gonna talk about it in like ten minutes. Um, but yeah, so Cassie just straight up here says, "I'm out of the Amors." Yeah. Without any warning, the crew is just kind of blindsided by it. But, like, I guess they just haven't processed it yet. And they go, yeah. And honestly, like, every two weeks, one of them quits anyway. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's like if you have a bad day at work and you're just like, I'm done with this job. I'm never coming back again. Mm -hmm. Oh, shit. Yeah. They specifically comment on how, like, yeah, yeah, Cassie, we've heard this before. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, I mean, yeah, if I just ripped out someone's throat, I'd want to quit too. Yeah, but th- they read it as this was a bad day for Cassie, not like she's actually leaving. Right. But Cassie has been thinking about this for a while. Yeah. And Which, she, well, she's noticing changes in herself that she's not feeling great about. Yes. And we get to that next when she goes home and meets with Nate's favorite character. Oh, yeah, Cassie's dad. Cass- I lo- she she needs to name her dad. No, I need a name for Cassie's dad. It's Cassie's dad. <laughs> Chili Pop. <laughs> That's what Ooh, I'm going to call it. I like Chili Pop a lot. I love Chili Pop. <laughs> chili Pop. Chili Pop. Hey, it calls back to our pop thing, remember? Yeah. I, Can't cut it. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. I, it made no sense. I hated it. Chili Pop. <laughs> so ch- so she goes back home to Chili Pop. <laughs> um, they're, they describe him as like cheerfully watching TV. Having They said he always has the remote in his hand. So that makes me think he's just constantly changing the channel, just looking for the next best thing. Yeah, well, he he is, you know, he he demands entertainment. Yeah, and he gets bored easily. I identify with this man. He likes hot chili and doesn't like to be bored on TV. And you know what else he, he loves? He sits down a lot. I, that's me. He, too. he loves having funding. He, uh, <laughs> <laughs> he also really enjoys funding. Yeah. And, Cassie keys into their dad's acting weird and the, her mom's acting weird. Everyone's very silent. Like, did you guys like think, oh, maybe they're controllers? Like, they're acting weird. What the fuck? That, that's, that was my first uh, thing was like, oh, if something is strange, then it's a controller. Right. But in this case, no. <laughs> no, it's something much sadder. <laughs> they're losing the barn, kids. They're losing the funding. Yeah. The uh, Wildlife Rehabilitation Clinic, Animorphs HQ. We lost it. Yeah. Um, and Cassie's dad should have brought in, like, Post Malone to sing a song for all the animals that were getting fired. Uh, I was thinking that? Was, I think he was going to bring in some, like, consolation chili. Like, when he's feeling real sad, <laughs> he, brings in, he brings in his sad chili. Like, is it chili for all occasions? Cassie, I know it's been a bad day. Uh, do you want some sad chili? <laughs> <laughs> it's It's salty. <laughs> That's what makes it sad. And, and Cassie, to her credit, like, just absorbs the news. Well, not to her credit, Tyler. Like she is absorbing the news because her feelings are dying. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. She's he takes it just like a, somebody who's been through a lot of trauma, right? They just are completely numb to everything. Yeah, I guess it's not to her credit because it's like I've been that person. You're just slowly absorbing heartbreak with no reaction. Do you think that was the reaction? Yeah. Was like, oh, she's really taking this like an adult? Probably. I mean, that's that's. <laughs> Well, my parents thought a lot of the time. Yeah. Like, oh, Cassie's really taken. Cassie's very mature for her age. She's not, like, being, you know, upset about her losing pretty much her identity. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, but, like, but like, what that keys into, though, is that the, the, the violence is affecting her. And, and if we're classifying this as, like, different types of war trauma, like, she's not uh, the hysterical blindness. She's not, like, the, you know, 
Rambo style mm-hmm. of war trauma. Right. She's the type that uh, just lets her her soul die a little right. bit, and uh, and we get two really interesting pieces. On the TV, we hear that a leopard has escaped, which was a really odd detail. <laughs> but you yeah, know, they, they just throw that. It's not going to come back. It's like, oh, animorphs, I get you. <laughs> I see what you're doing here. And we also get her eating dinner with a chunk of hork pajur stuck in her teeth. Yeah. How dope was that? As just the reminder of the violence you caused. Just... That's there's not been a detail like that in these books, and that has stuck with me my entire life since I read this book. <laughs> it like Cassie coming home and having alien in her teeth. My God, totally. The closest it re- closest it reminded me of was after I don't think it was a termite fight. It was the ant fight when one of them is in the shower and they find some like ant head still biting into their skin. <laughs> right. And, Jesus. Yeah, yeah, well it's like Tyler, have you have you killed anyone not, on on purpose? <laughs> not to my knowledge. Well, <laughs> hold on. I have helped people pass away, yes. I <laughs> haven't killed them. There's Have you ripped anyone's throat out? No. <laughs> like so imagine it's, that you you had to you know you right you justly caused you had to to kill someone, mm-hmm. right? And then you went home and you're just processing it and you look down and you see a finger just attached to to your foot. <laughs> I knew <laughs> I know a nurse who took home a patient's finger once. Yeah, like and, and really, it, it's, yeah, it's disgusting. Like, think about that—that that kind of like reminder of like you're still just. Do, do you think it affected her? Like, because she kind of cruises by it in the book. I mean, she cruises by it in the book, but as a person, yeah, that shit affects you. I've come home from work with blood and bits of skin in my shoes from work yeah but uh, what i'm saying it's more of a communication to the reader more than it is uh, uh kind of cassie noticing and being like oh i'm a monster i mean like because i think what it is is just like that's her life now and she hates it her life is just kind of like being surrounded by flesh <laughs> it's like yeah. i identified with a lot in this book with cassie this like dead inside cassie yeah, I feel that way a lot of the times after work now. Yeah, it's I, it's the the death of feeling, right? The death of the thing that makes you human. Yeah, uh, and like the next scene is also great too because like the way she cruises through the next couple of chapters like really harkens back to the death of feeling. Like she's just brushing her teeth and just like not even noticing that she's brushing her gums raw. You know, it's like right that was horrifying. Well, it, it, it's 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 what happens when somebody turns mechanized, right? Uh-huh. Like you, you just kind of. Go about your routine because you don't have anything but routine at that point. Did I tell you about how COVID made my forehead bleed once? Uh, no, go ahead. <laughs> Travis, you want to hear this story? Oh, yes, please. So, like, this wasn't too long ago. One of the things with COVID, like, we didn't have enough masks to fit fat faces like mine. I don't know if you can see it, Travis. I got fat face and body. Everything. Big old fat penis, too, ladies and gentlemen and they thems. Um so I couldn't wear like an N95 to protect myself from COVID at work. So they gave us these respirator helmets that we'd wear and they ordered these respirator helmets and they did not order any like padding for the helmets. So you're tightening plastic with sharp Velcro to your head unless you somehow make some padding. Well, I... They just brought a COVID patient to me one night and I didn't have time to make padding. And it's like, oh, this is a sick person on their way out. So I throw the helmet on and I screw it to my head 
and I feel this digging into my my forehead. Just it hurts at first. It really hurts. And I'm in this patient's room for about two hours once we finally get them intubated and more alive, more 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 in a surviving kind of way. And less dead. And I walk out of the room and I just take the helmet off and I'm I put my fa- my regular mask back on and I just start typing and my charge nurse comes over just looking at me horrified and I'm like, What? What? And it's like you're bleeding and I had bled down my face onto my nose without even realizing it from this this fucking uh, respirator. So yeah, I get disassociating and turning everything off and not feeling pain and then just be like, Oh, I'm a mechanical robot built only for saving. Yeah. The the lack of pain seems concerning. <laughs> I right? mean, you get used to it. It's like Oh, do I readjust my helmet or do, do I let this person die? Well, no, like lack of pain is what happens when something's dead. Like you're not like <laughs> if you can't feel your arm, if it's on fire, then that's bad. Yeah, very bad. <laughs> right. <laughs> and that, that's what that's what's happening in Cassie's brain. <laughs> yeah. Like she's she's not feeling the pain anymore. Like she mm-hmm. used to like be horrified. Now she's just there. Yeah. And she's noticing about the self and she it, they directly address it in the book, which I was super glad to see. Yeah, go on. Um, well, I mean, they, they just bring up, like, Cassie, that, that's her reason for leaving the Animorphs. Mm-hmm. So like, when they meet up again to kind of talk about what she said. <laughs> yeah. And, I mean, before they meet up, she does look out her window and sees someone staring at her. Yeah, a, a set of human eyes. Human eyes. Yeah. Her name is Karen. <laughs> we'll, we'll find out later. Her it's fine. Karen, yeah. Uh, she goes to sleep, has a dino dream, which I thought was kind of cute. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That uh, ended so well for her, her dino dreams. Well, you know, unimportant, but like she's remembering the time that she lost herself in the Tyrannosaurus Rex. And it's the next part where they where they meet up is one of the harder parts of the book. Like one of the more hard-hitting parts of the book, I should say, because it's a breakup. Yeah. See, uh, one by one tells them why she doesn't want to be in the Animorphs anymore. And for the first time, it's really hard-hitting personal stuff. Like Rachel's line where she says, so you've just said the whole world can drop dead so long as you, Cassie, don't have to end up turning into me, Rachel. It's like, Jesus. Yeah, but also, like, everyone in here kind of sucks except for Tobias. (laughs) In a way, he's like, yeah, whatever, and flies away. No, well, I mean, he's kind of like, I get it, <laughs> right, right. Um, but like Rachel, Rachel is kind of self-absorbed, um, kind of. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, she but is. Even Tobias's reaction was it kind of twisted away because they say like it's might almost be kind of forced, right? He needs himself to hold on to these human values so that he doesn't let. To go entirely into that world of, you know, hunter be hunted. And I think that's accurate, too, with Tobias. I think he'd be straight up married to Price Cut Polly had he not <laughs> clung on to these dumb kids. Yeah. Uh, it's just, you know, it's like one of those things where, like, everyone in there kind of is not understanding Cassie, except for possibly Jake and, and Tobias, right? Yeah. Sure. Uh, because like she's trying to say like listen I'm leaving because I'm feeling like less and less every day and just this is not a part of me. 
And um, she even says that, oh, yeah, guess I'm a coward. I'm selfish. Yeah, well, she yeah, she's shutting down, right? Yeah. Like, she, she's retreating in, in the way that she, you know, is her defense mechanism, right? right. She's yeah. not the... All these are kind of like, you know, if we were to pick this apart, then every single anamorph is kind of a defense mechanism of of uh, anguish and grief, right? Oh, go on. I like that reading. <laughs> yeah? Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, well, I'm not going to pick it apart for everyone, but, like, you know, it's pretty obvious in the, their confrontations of, mm-hmm. like... Rachel brings in, like, okay, I deal with this through rage and yeah, anger, anger and, yeah. and revenge. Got it. Um, I'll mark that one off. Marco, like, sarcasm and, and joking of, like, you know, uh, black-pilled irony. Right. Okay. Yeah. Bargaining. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but like, you, 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 can, you can see where I'm going with this and that, like... Tobias's Ca- acceptance. <gasps> well, then what is Cassie? Right? Because, like, Cassie... I don't it, know. Also acceptance. C- Cassie is just uh, uh, absorption, right? Her, her, her deal is, like... Um, I always think of her as like a 1950s housewife, right? Okay. She she is the wife from Mad Men, in that Betty she, Draper, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> in that she she just absorbs everything and kind of sits on it until she breaks. Cassie, 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 Cassie. I was picturing Rachel sitting down and then having that flashback to war. <laughs> I know, like Cassie's Don Draper. I'm not <laughs> Rachel's Don Draper in this situation. <laughs> Have a seat. <laughs> but like. But they, so like, but this is Cassie's break, like Cassie, Cassie snap, bam, bam. You know, she she is snapped. She's done. She's shutting down. She's she has the answers to their questions, but she just doesn't care. Yeah, she just agrees with all of them. She doesn't fight for herself for anything. Right. She's like, okay, yeah, I won't morph. Okay, yeah, no morphing. Yeah. Whatever. Please leave. Yeah. Just I I need to go. I need to be out. Yeah. <laughs> I'm out. I need to leave. Which, that's. You know, 19 books in, that's hard to read a little bit because this is, I think, the most real this has been. Did it feel that way to you? At this point, I didn't believe that she was out of the Animorphs. <laughs> I'm like, I've read these books before. Something will happen or she will return back to the Animorphs. Yeah. Um, but, like, I-, I was excited for what would happen and I'm glad the direction that it took. Yeah. Travis, how did you feel about this breakup scene? Yeah, very similarly. Like, it's. Obviously going to have some turnaround, right? But uh, they do kind of set the tone from book one saying that, you know, shit can get real with, like, you know, Tobias getting stuck as a hop, right? So, like, there can be major status quo implications that are long-lasting, right? Um, so I didn't think that she was necessarily going to die. I didn't think that she was necessarily going to be out. But, you know, maybe, yeah, she becomes kind of like Eric and is more of like a side uh, right, kind of ally right. as opposed to an actual full-on, you know, warrior, right? Yeah. Like, that could be an interesting avenue to explore. And it's hard to remember how I reacted to this when I read this, what, 20 years ago? Right. Um, but... Yeah, it uh, there is a you can feel that there is a it is true to her character that she would be reacting the way that she is, right? Uh, she says, "I was going in trying to do damage," and the clash of that against her nature, but it's still being realistic given the situation she's in. That conflict has to go somewhere, right? If you don't address it. That's weirder, right? So, uh, do, do you think that Cassie's easily manipulated? Because, like, I, I've I've thought about this, and like, I think that she is. 
I think that she's easily bows under social pressure. I, I could see that because Cassie, for all of who she is, she's also a big sponge. She takes on right. the feelings and personalities of those around she's her. She's empathetic, and she yeah. she kind of like reads everything from other people's perspectives, but not necessarily from her own. And so I think that she's seeing herself turning into a bit of a Rachel, where she's kind of gaining the violent habits of, of a Rachel and kind of using, using those. And it's causing a, a, like a cognitive dissonance in, in her soul. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, and, and that's what she's trying yeah. to communicate, but she can't because she doesn't want to hurt her friends or she just, you and, know, like due to those like social pressures that we, you know, that we kind of talked about, like she can't bring herself to, to respond honestly. So instead she just retreats and, and, and balls up. And it's, yeah. I feel like she does have uh, moral standings and, like, you know, things that she believes in. But, yeah, I don't think that she has the strength to stand up to people who push against that. So in order to have this whole arc that we go on, you can't have those outside voices pushing her to act otherwise, right? It has to be just her and this other girl. Uh, yeah, her her arc in this, and the central conflict of Cassie in this book, she pretty she spells it out pretty explicitly in this chapter. She says, "No, I feel bad because I felt nothing. I felt nothing, Rachel. At that moment, I felt like I was just doing my job, you know. And now they're shutting down the clinic, and my dad tells me, and I feel nothing. It's been going on for a long time. Each day, each battle, each mission, I feel less and less." And Cassie is someone who needs to feel. She needs to feel like what she's doing is important or has meaning. And when something she is so, something she is so against, something that to her personally is so abhorrent and awful, just becomes her job. Of course, she's going to self-destruct and destroy herself. And and, and and she's the only one in this group that has that that feeling. Yeah, they can right. all turn it off. She can't. Yeah. The line I was referring to earlier that comes up here is when Marco says, uh, Cassie says that she's quitting because she has this terrible feeling in her stomach. And Marco says, oh, maybe it was something you ate. Yeah. <laughs> right? Uh, knowing intentionally that it was a Horkushir. And the fact that he's able to make a joke like that, right, is so telling. And she... Well, I, I think Cassie uh, Cassie reads Marco's jokes as what they are, which is deflection, right? Like, yeah. I don't I don't think she's felt like hurt by any of Marco's like jabs, but w- but what it is like the thing that really hurts her is that this bit with Marco where uh, like he says that she's looking down on them, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Of like because Marco has this idea that that Cassie is using her high and mighty morals against them, of like oh I can't can't be uh, around these these. Uh, moralistic animals right well okay cassie would like moralistic animals but yeah. you get what i'm saying like yeah. i you know i can't be around these barbarians right? right that's the way that marco sees himself in cassie mm-hmm. uh but like none of them are seeing it for what it is which is cassie hates this yeah and ask, she's <laughs> asking for help yeah she's like please understand me and everyone's just like no you're being a dick you yeah. hate us <laughs> they, they all take it personally and yell at her which is why this is a good book because sometimes this happens sometimes people just don't fucking get you <laughs> right it's they and, don't get you and then they're mad at you because of their misunderstanding of you 
Right. And so she does the one thing that I, I love that people do in these books. Mm-hmm. She goes on a horsey ride. <laughs> <laughs> I want to go on a horse and buggy ride. It's just like I need to go on a on a on a fucking horsey ride. I mean, as we've established, Cassie feels her most powerful with horses. And that's exactly what she does. <laughs> it's it's great. So so she has to clean out a tub. Yeah, she she hops on a horse, a horsey. Mm-hmm. Heads outside. She's like, "Oh, I better go clean the tub that other animals eat from." And, and as someone who's had to actually clean out an animal trough, yeah, those things get fucking gross. Oh yeah, you've had to do this. Tell us about that. <laughs> oh, like, well, no, I just used, I used to have a couple goats. Um, not me, my family had a couple goats, and <laughs> like, yeah, you and your apartment here in Portland. It's yeah. like I had goats here. <laughs> it's just the goat apartment. Um, <laughs> Animals do not respect the water source that they are drinking from, and they will just poop in there. They'll stand in it. They'll do all sorts of nastiness, and like, yeah, they'll just drink their their own poop water. So they they treat they treat the poop water like that President Trump treated America. Yeah, stand he in stand it. in it. He uh, he pooped in it. He drinks from it. He drinks from it, and he's, he looks like a pig. He looks uh, oinker. Turns that water orange. Or orange. <laughs> we got to make these jokes while we can, while he's still in office. Yeah, we got like, what, one more month? Yeah, something like that. I don't yeah. know. I don't know. He's already gone from my mind. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. It's all Biden from here on, baby. Hey, oh. Gonna, <laughs> gonna, gonna, gonna join that Kamala hive. I'm gonna go down a K-hole. <laughs> I mean, as someone who routinely K-holes people at work, it looks fucking fantastic. Like, I look at the drugs I give people, and ketamine is one that I would love to try. Yeah. It looks great. Well, I mean, Cassie herself is in kind of a K-hole right now, emotionally. Yeah, she is disassociating, <laughs> which is what ketamine does. Um, and she, she sees something that people don't see in a K-hole, though, because they don't hallucinate, is my understanding. In a K-hole? Yeah. Oh, you're wrong. Oh. You're wrong, baby. Oh, man. So Cassie, deep in her K-hole, <laughs> sees a bear chasing a little girl. Ah! Which, great fucking visual. A red-headed little girl comes Just, running like, by, <laughs> screaming, hey! Very Pixar brave. Yeah, yeah. like if, if I'm picturing this as a movie, it's just a static shot of a little gold girl just running across the screen, just yelling. <laughs> and then, like a second later, just a trolloping bear behind <laughs> yeah. her. No, Ben, no. <laughs> Fuck. I, lo- oh, I love big, scary bears. I love gentle Ben. <laughs> and here's your host, gentle Ben. No, Ben, no. <laughs> so she's. Little girl runs up a tree, as little girls can do. As a full-grown adult I, let, man, I can't climb a tree anymore. It you, looks you, like it hurts. You, you climbed a tree as a kid. Well, yeah. Once. I just look at it now, and I look at trees, and I hurt. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, that's because like, everything hurts. Everything hurts. Every, everything for me pops. <laughs> <laughs> Got you doing it. Yeah, I know. I can't stop it now. Can't cut it now. The word of the day is pop. Pop. Brought to you by the letter pop. Um, that's how uh, British people say P. Like how they stay, say Z for Z, mm. they say pop for P. I'm going to go to the water closet and pop. <laughs> <laughs> Man, we should, bring, we should honestly adopt water closet. I love it. Yeah, and I'm definitely going to call it popping. <laughs> um, so Cassie uh, does what she can to save this little girl from yeah. a bear. She remembers no morphing and <laughs> proceeds to drive her horsey into the bear. Well, yeah, I appreciate Cassie's code of honor. Mm-hmm. She she has her own Bushido. <laughs> <laughs> and as a ronin, she is taken to the woods in search of a new master. <laughs> the master is little girl. 
We are his Ronin. <laughs> Don't. I love it so much. Um, yeah. I, well, yeah. Like yeah, her only girl, weapon is horse. He's like, <laughs> she's like, little girl, come on, get out tree. <laughs> she, she's not Italian. She's not an analyst. Don't get me started on Italian. She, the little girl jumps from the tree. Cassie catches her on horseback, and they book it for the river. Yeah, but like this like horse, the is horse is freaked out. Well, because the horse had to like run into a bear, something <laughs> horses do not like doing. And the bear starts chasing the horse, and then Cassie sees, oh, there's a bear cub. That's what this is all about. Hey, if you see bear cubs, don't go near bear cubs. Yeah, uh, podcast uh, Hot alert. Tip. Yeah. Uh, life tip, S- life safety, pro tip. Safety tip from your friendly Animorphs nurse. Stay away from bears and bear cubs. This has been an Animorph in Times <laughs> health tip. I could take on a bear cub. Well, yeah, you could take on... Yeah, anybody could take They're on a small. bear cub. They're small. I could, like... I could pin that fucker to the ground. <laughs> no problem. No. <laughs> Listen, I like the... I like... I just want to be able to say I took down a bear. Wrestled it to the ground. Let's wrestle right now. I'm a bear. Yeah, Travis, you want to see this? You want to see us get weird with yes, it? Yes, please. <laughs> All right, let's get the grease. <laughs> I'll make my own. <laughs> and the horse freaks the fuck out. As a horse should. Yeah, because horses shouldn't do that. But, like, man, being a dick, makes him fight bears. <laughs> 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 but, like, honestly, there's nothing more terrifying than being on a horse that is freaked out. Because, like, the- Really? Have you tried drowning? <laughs> I'm saying pictures. I have not yeah. good. Is that not good? <laughs> is that real? Uh, yeah. So the reason I'm in the wheelchair is a surfing injury, and I was conscious the whole time, face down in the water. I could oh. feel air on the back of my head, but I couldn't move enough still below my neck to Oof. do anything to flip over. Oh my god! I am so sorry I made that comment. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> it's all I good. had no fucking idea. <laughs> Oh, I, Tyler, I'm genuinely time, I am canceled. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, genuinely, I'm sorry if that was a bad joke. Oh. No, 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 no. We'll get... I have a complete sense of humor about it. Don't worry. <laughs> no, then we'll need your experience later when they're in the river. <laughs> yeah. Oh God, yeah. God. So yeah, this next part, reading it, is honestly horrific to read because mm-hmm. she hits her head on a rock. Yeah, because the, the, the horse like freaks out yeah. from the bear. Yeah, they're barreling down. She gets knocked off because the horse just runs into branches and shit. Yeah, because that's what a horse does. Yeah, it doesn't care. She gets blast like thrown into the river. Yep. She can't swim to the top. Like this is this is one of the like things I am genuinely afraid of more than anything an undertow. Yeah. The idea yeah. of being trapped underwater and trying to swim out of it and not being able to that horrifies me. Or the idea like you don't know where up is. Yeah, you don't. Right, and so she yeah. she gets clobbered in the head with a rock, and her world goes dark. Yep, and it's she's gone. She does not feel this panic because she's <laughs> she out. She mentions breathing in a lung full of air, but oh shit, wait, that's not air. Yeah, it's it's, it's a spicy air, aka water. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, Travis, if you're comfortable, would you talk about your experience? You don't have to. We can cut all. No, yeah, absolutely. Like I said, um. I both have a sense of humor about it, and I'm an open book. So, uh, all right. So, do you have any specific page. questions? No, like, like what happened? Uh, so a couple days into the summer vacation, after college, freshman year of college, just went to the beach with a couple of friends of mine. Uh, we were body surfing because we didn't have boards. Uh, hit a wave wrong. Uh. You're a nurse, right? So mm-hmm. I can get a little bit technical. Absolutely. Uh, I 
am an incomplete quadriplegic at the C4, C5 vertebra. Uh, they had to do 140 pounds of traction to pull the vertebrae apart enough to reset them. Oh um, I'm not a medical was... person, but traction on vertebrae sounds bad. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I have been told you can maybe verify this. Uh, if you get uh, steroids to the point of impact within two hours, there's like a 20% or so increase to the projection of amount of function return. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I was, with that in mind, I was on the UCLA uh, operating table within 45 minutes. Oh my god. So it was extremely fortunate in a lot of ways. There were, uh, there were, the lifeguard was already waist deep in the water getting people away from a riptide. Uh, there happened to be uh, a doctor on the beach who was able to instantly clear a call for a medevac that was uh, for a high school football field was a uh, licensed landing zone. It was like three blocks away. Um, and not only was there a doctor, but one of the friends who was there later found out that his priest was on the beach that day also. So, you know, I'm not necessarily a spiritual man, but I'm not going to look that in the mouth and not acknowledge it, right? Um, God damn. So, yeah, that was like a little over 15, 15 and a half years ago. Uh, but, yeah, I've done most of the coolest stuff in my life since then right so like uh i really don't have a lot of not i don't have any real denial around it but i also do not feel a lot of uh yeah grief or hang-ups so like i said if you got any particular questions by all means um but yeah no i i wouldn't say i have any questions i'm just that was remarkably lucky that all that stuff came together for you. And, oh, yeah. and honestly, I it makes me fucking ecstatic to see someone who has thrived after such an injury because a lot of people don't get that. So thank you for sharing that. And thank you for being you and being so open and honest about that. That's fucking sweet. Well, thank you. Uh, I will say, yeah, for the people who are might be listening, you alluded to this earlier, but just I... I can deal with people online very uh, thoroughly and patiently because I've gone on to now, uh, I work as, I'm about to graduate, but I'm already work, uh, from grad school, but I'm already working at a training site as a uh, family therapist looking specifically to focus on uh, polyamorous relationships and relationships with bdsm dynamics Mm -hmm. uh but i also am generally just gonna be working with lgbt community and also disability in there too but not as like a primary focus uh the training site right now is uh a site that i don't know if i should give a name or not but it's a site that gives free counseling to uh lgbt youth under 25 how about how so, about this? You don't have to name the site, but we're gonna put your Twitter at in our episode description, and if people want to reach out, they can reach out. How's that? I'll give you a different one because the one that I've been posting under is my shit posting handle. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so not the shit posting one, but the good one. <laughs> yeah, I'll give you a a legit handle to uh, put okay. out. So yeah, 
<laughs> please reach out to uh, CumGover25. <laughs> if you are feeling suicidal or if your partners aren't treating you right, please at me at BigGapingAsshole69. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Help is out um, there. <laughs> Um, well, I, I guess like the one like kind of story relevant question I have though is that ha- did you inhale water? Do you remember? Yeah. How how realistic yeah, so did this book feel? Like this part feel? Uh, I mean, it was very different because I had people sucking tube, uh, sucking it out of my lungs with a tube mm-hmm. within an hour, right? Uh, and I don't have the magic ability to turn into something and turn back and be fine. Which, granted, she didn't use here. So credit to her for that. It, um, it's our code of honor. Yeah. She's like, yeah. I will just live like this. Well, we see how far that goes, but uh, yeah. Yeah. spoilers. But um, anyway, yeah, uh, it definitely was intense. Um, and it's the whole part of her getting rescued and brought back on the shore and recovering and not being really coherent right having to take a moment to get her brain defuzzed mm-hmm. was yeah um i mean it was a kid's book version but it's it was it was animorphs you know it was not shying away from it, <laughs> yeah, it was just yeah. choosing which ele- which details to highlight Right. Yeah, right. it's like when somebody gets knocked out in a book. <laughs> yeah. like, oh, we knocked yeah. it out. Like they don't follow up with like what being knocked right. out means. <laughs> the, the security guards were no longer there. Oh, because they died. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, yeah, and Cassie just gets like what dragged out of the river. Yeah, Karen by, by Karen, who Karen. who is the little girl who uh, <laughs> is being chased by the bear. Yeah, Cassie says she doesn't feel being pulled out of the river. She doesn't feel the air that gives her life again. Yeah. So, so she I guess just Karen, wakes up puking water. Yeah, and, and Karen. And you there have to wonder why Karen and, pulled her out, right? Like, what was the motive of her at that point? Well, I think you get some I think stuff Karen, later, but I think Karen so, knew that she had to bring this person in, or she was fucked. Oh, you think it was that? Yeah, because I think it was actually like, oh, this person saved my life. Like you know, she was being she was actually being chased by right. a bear. Right, <laughs> there, right. There was she an does act say of kindness we saved each other. We don't know each other or anything. Yeah, that's You're true. Right. Karen does say that. I saved you. You saved me. And, and We're Car- quits. And Karen has been stalking Cassie, uh-huh. as alluded to earlier. So like, there's obviously some sort of interest there in yeah. what Cassie is. Um, and well, there's some very specific interest because after they they kind of do their get to know you talk. Yeah. Um, she's like. By the way, I know that you're an Andalite bandit, or yeah. I don't know exactly what you are, but you can morph. Yeah. So, uh, you know, lay off the act. What are you? Yeah, excuse me, uh, fellow little girl. I know you have superpowers, and you killed my fucking brother. <laughs> yeah, like, as soon as she's been revived, it's just like, oh, yeah, by the way, you killed my brother. The thing that you picked out of your teeth, that was a little bit of uh, old old uh, bro there. Yeah, we came from the Simhot pools, baby, and you fucking murked us. That's... <laughs> This book is so fucking good. <laughs> Listen, you mess with the Simhup pool, you get the whole uh, pod. <laughs> I don't want to say what it is. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Clutch. And I mean, chapter six, I mean, it starts with how I start every day. Ah, I woke up screaming. <laughs> it's like, that's same. Have, have you actually woke up screaming from a dream? Um, Me, no, but someone I hooked up with, yes. It scared the absolute shit out of me. I kind of want at least one dream where I'm just like, ah! <laughs> I 
dreams. I mean, you've never like you don't have dreams like that. I have dreams like that, but I don't wake up screaming. Like I'm always just like a like a jerk, you know. Like I'll roll away quickly. Yeah, but it's not screaming. Like I had been seeing this person, and we had had coitus, if you will. No, I, what? <laughs> say, say the word, Tyler. Say the dirty word. We had intercourse. <laughs> yeah. And we went to sleep, and I just woke up to them screaming. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's the worst one-night stand thing to have happen. And, I, is... and I, I grabbed onto them. I'm like, what, 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 what? And they just kept screaming and screaming. And I'm like, what? <laughs> and they just went, someone's here, someone's here. And so I like jumped out of bed, and I turned on the light, and there was no one there. That was all a dream. <laughs> they, okay, cool. Like they just started screaming and said, "Someone's here." <laughs> that made you feel real good. <laughs> it was like, yes, yeah, super great. <laughs> Definitely not something I think about a lot. <laughs> it's fine. So she wakes up screaming. They have their little talk. Mm-hmm. Cassie's like, "Oh shit, this little girl's a fucking yerk." Yeah, she she's in a situation now where there's just like no easy way out. Of de- like confronting her her exact problem with the animorphs, right? Right. She she's stuck in it. She has to make a decision. She has to make a decision she one way ha- or another, right? She and well, she tries to defer it more by just kind of playing it off, like I don't know what you're talking about, yeah. crazy little girl, whatever little girl. I'm an I'm an andalite, whatever yeah. that is. I guess I'm some kind of spooky alien. Yeah, you think I'm a werewolf, huh? <laughs> you <just> dumb idiot. <laughs> and I mean, it it kind of works. Like there's some doubt. For Karen, but yeah. not, not enough for her to like disbelieve like that that she is what she is. No, right? She, she's just unsure about the situation. Like, oh, maybe she doesn't remember being morphine or whatever. Yeah, and Karen's like, I know you have to kill me. I know you have to kill me. Yeah, so like kill I, me. I know your secret. Yeah, uh, you can get me whenever you want. You can turn into whatever you want. It's like, God, wouldn't it be so fun to murder me right now? <laughs> Like, yeah, well, like, yeah, she, she, she's still running under the assumption that Cassie loves murder. Right, because she says that Andalites are heartless fools who will cut you, no problem. Yeah, and, you know, honestly, like, yeah, kind of. Yeah. <laughs> like, they, they haven't shown themselves to be other. But Cassie's like, whatever, little girl, I'm going to make you a splint. Yeah, it's time to, like, fix your, your messed up ankle because you messed up your ankle. She's like, um, I'm going to get a stick. I'm going to make a splint for your leg. And Karen's like, won't you use your tail, huh? <laughs> won't you cut the tree down with your tail, idiot? She's like, okay, yeah, because I'm a werewolf. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just keep thinking of American Werewolf in London. You should kill yourself, David. <laughs> what shall I do? Suicide. You must take your own life. That's yeah, easy for you to say you're you're already dead. <laughs> it's fine. Whatever. So she builds Karen a splint. And a crutch. Yeah, she finds she finds a nice like conveniently crutch shaped branch. I mean, that's not hard to do for a little girl. I guess. Yeah, you're right. Are you it's skipping over stick. the best part where she picks off the big huge piece of wood and she's like, "Yeah, I can beat the shit out of this kid with this." Oh yeah, she and does do that. Before she reveals that idea of like, you know, this would make a good uh, crutch. They kind of fake you out. Like she, the, they don't say anything about that. She just walks over to this tree picks off his big club and is like, yeah, I could fuck her up with this. <laughs> and then she's like, here, use this. Right. Yeah, like, what? what is that emotion? Is that, like, her Rachel influence kind of bubbling up a little bit? Yeah, I think so. It's 
she's running through all the things like, well, I could do it this way or I could do it this way or what happens if I don't do it? What, it, what can I make her my friend? What if I were to like break her teeth in and wear it as a necklace? <laughs> <laughs> what if I cut her ears off and had tiny ears as earrings? <laughs> Well, I mean, yeah, like she, she's she's going there though, right? right. What were you going to say? She goes Travis? through. She goes through what different members of the team would do a lot in this book. It's very much a leitmotif, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Ooh, grad they, school talking. Look at you. <laughs> I didn't even go to film school, <laughs> but yeah. Uh, and Karen's not making it easy for her. No, well, Karen, I mean, she's Karen, she's making it easy, but not making it easy. Yeah, she's uh, basically like, "Do it, kill me, I'm here. Come on, alien, kill me." Karen wants the answer of every single Andalite bandit is a murderous mm-hmm. like automaton. Yeah, and she doesn't want to think that one like you know her enemy could be uh, compassionate. Right. She 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 needs that confirmation of all of them are assholes. Otherwise, that makes me an asshole. Yeah, <laughs> right. It's like that's yeah. We'll get into it, but that's yeah, pretty she, much America. But like, but that, yeah, she's she's baby. Like, come on. Oh oh, look, I'm so vulnerable. Oh, my ankle's broken. Oh, yeah. I can't do anything. Wouldn't you like to kill me? Wouldn't it be so fun to kill me? It's like I made you this crutch. Yeah. <laughs> Here now, I'm gonna break your leg yeah. to put it back into shape. Actually, little girl, I'm going to fix you. And this is a, yeah, a great moment when Cassie's like, "All right, count to five, and when you say five, I'm gonna pull it tight," and she pulls it on one. Right, the classic move. I mean, and, you have to do that. <laughs> yeah, and the girl's like, uh, "You tricked me." Cassie says, "It was a trick for your own good." Aha! That's proof that you're an Andalite. It's <laughs> only the Andalites would claim to. It's just like you to make war to help people. Right. Right. It's such an Andalite trait. And, I mean, Cassie counters that probably the best way that she could have, and also medically accurate. You have to get them with her off guard, because if you don't, their muscles are going to be tight. Yeah, they're going to tense up. It's kind of like the only way that we would reset anyone's bone or joint or anything that's out of place is we have to put them under, because the muscles are so tight and people pull against it. You need them to be unconscious and limp. So you wouldn't do the one, two, pop? Oh, I've definitely done that with shots. Okay. (laughs) See, like, I, I can't look at getting a shot. That's my thing. I don't like seeing the needle go into the skin. But otherwise, I just, you know, yeah. I don't look at it. it. If I don't look at it, it's fine. None of it bothers me. Because yeah. <laughs> you're dead inside. I was looking my doctor in the eyes when he stuck his finger in my butt. But How? I had no, to. Wait, <laughs> you can't. He's on the other side of your butt. How no, do you I had my at? legs up above my, my ears. So you're just like, what, dangling down? <laughs> oh, hi, dog. Yeah. I had my, my penis and my balls hanging down. I pulled them up onto my stomach. It's like, I'm free. It's, you, you can get in now. <laughs> the garage door's open. Did you really? No. Oh. God, I wish I did. Man, that would have been so good. Did I tell you what that doctor said to me when he put his finger in my butt? What? Okay, so I'm getting a, I'm getting a rectal exam. This might be a little too much for y'all. I don't care. Oh, please. I was like shitting blood and worried. I wasn't a nurse yet, so I was scared. And so I was like, I'd poop and there'd be blood and be like, oh my God, I'm dying. So I go to see my doctor and he's like, okay, we're going to do a rectal exam. And for anyone who's never had one, a rectal exam means finger in your asshole deeper than it's ever been. Like not in the fun, well. like not in the fun way. And <laughs> he like sticks his finger inside me and I go, whoo, I thought you were going to buy me dinner. And... I mean, that's a hack, stupid joke. Sure. sure. Yeah. 
But when we were done, he's like, oh, yeah, you're going to be fine. It's just, you know, it's anal fissures. That just means you have tiny lacerations in your poop, which means you need to drink, or tiny lacerations in your rectum, which means you need to drink more water. And stop eating glass. And stop eating glass. And, and I'm like, okay. And he's like, but, I mean, there is some good news and there's some bad news. And I'm like, oh, oh, okay. What is it? And he goes, well, I'll tell you the good news. Anal fissures heal and they will go away. And I'm like, okay, what's the bad news? And he goes, well, the bad news, it's just bad news for you. It's good news for me. And I go, what do you fucking talk about? And he goes, oh, by the time you need a prostate exam, I'll be retired. <laughs> I'm like, God damn it. God damn you. Got your ass. I love that doctor. He was great. What happened to him? He retired. <laughs> I did let him have some students come in and watch me give an, like get the rectal exam. Because he's like, I, I'm actually a teacher with the medical school. Do you mind if people watch? And I'm like, no, bring him in. <laughs> you had an audience? <laughs> yeah. Um, so about little girl Karen. <laughs> yeah. So Karen's got her, her splint. She's got her crutch. Uh, Cassie's like, it's going to start raining. It's, yeah. Th- there's no way. We, don't, we got washed down for miles yeah. down this river. We don't know where we are. We right. need to find shelter. Yeah. It's, it looks like it's going to rain. We need to get the fuck out of here. And Karen's like, why don't you just fly away, you dumb bitch? I know you can fly. <laughs> God, there's a lot of cussing in this book. Yeah, I know. It gets re- it's real bad. She's like, you know. Karen fuck. says some words to Cassie, who's a young woman of, woman of color that only a Karen would say, you know? Karen is. Honestly, Karen does have some Karen vibes to her. <laughs> she does. <laughs> it's awful. I'm, I'm picturing like this little girl with like big hair, you know? Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> got that. That bowl, that woman bowl cut. You yeah, know, yeah, yeah. Karen hair. Right. The bird hair. You know, it's just kind of like <laughs> flies up and then falls down. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Cassie's like, why don't we go to this cave? <laughs> yeah, well, they, they wander. They find a cave. <laughs> yeah. Um, but like, okay, A, how many caves are there in a forest? Like, there can't be that many. I mean, there's a lot of caves in this forest. <laughs> there's a lot of caves in this forest. And yeah, I'd be worried that there's something living in there. Right, which Cassie is. So they head towards this like cropping of land. Yeah, and Karen's like, "What's that? What's on top of that thing there?" Yeah, and I'm picturing like it's dark and stormy, thunders happening. Yeah, like it's getting cloudy, and then flash of thunder, and then there's deer carcass in the tree, (laughs) just like (laughs) melting down the tree. (laughs) And it's they see a deer carcass hanging in a tree. It's like, oh, it's glinty, innocent eyes and splayed out guts. Yep. That's almost how they describe it in the books. Right. So what does this mean? That means Cassie's like, well, a bear wouldn't do that. A wolf wouldn't do that. But a leopard would. <laughs> so let's let's come back. And we heard, we remember the story uh-huh. of a leopard escaping the zoo. Yes. So where did this leopard go, do you think? Here in the woods, baby. <laughs> Specifically looking for Cassie and Karen. <laughs> Out of all the places this leopard could be. Right. This and leopard is the second most ridiculous plot point in this entire book. Here's, here's it just what it keeps is, though. popping up at the most ridiculous times. Here's what it is, though. The Elemist knew that Karen needed to make friends with Cassie. So the one thing to bond them would be to send a leopard over to come and try to get their guts. <laughs> I don't like that. <laughs> Why not? I don't like. I don't. I just don't like. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It's fun. But like, so Cassie 
puts it together like we're in actual danger. We need to go into this cave. Yeah, we need to get we need later. fucking shelter now. Right. So so Cassie makes up a thing like, uh, Karen, go look in these bushes for a second. I, I need to look in this cave. Yeah, she, D- don't, like, don't peek. The the brush it. There's like brush covering the cave entrance. So Cassie starts pushing through it. And that's when Carol's like, hey, use your tail again. Cut through the brush. And Cassie's like, yeah, okay, huh, whatever. Tail's funny. Real real funny stuff. Yeah, but Cassie notices that like she can't really see Karen. Karen yeah. can't see her. Maybe I should just peek into like a little bit of wolf morph and smell yeah. to see if there's see anything it, in this See cave. if there's something living in there. Yeah. So Which, I mean, good idea. Yeah, yeah. And and she does. She she turns a little bit wolfy and kind of like sniffs in the cave and yeah. she doesn't smell anything. And but at this she hears point, Karen coming like, hey, what are you doing over there? Hey, <laughs> right. What, what the fuck's going on? <laughs> what are you? Hey, hey, little girl. What are you doing over there? It's like a uh, second. <laughs> and like, yeah, she morphs out real quick. She's yeah. like, oh, it was nothing. But then, of course, like at the perfect time. <laughs> A one Mr. Leopard. <laughs> a certain El Jefe. No, it's he's, not a El Jefe. El Jefe is a jaguar. We, it's true. But get, I, get your big cats right. I miss El Jefe. I do too. It's fine. Can this be like a, a jaguar? <laughs> we we can make this book whatever we want it to be. We're adults. Okay, this this jaguar. No, this leopard. It's a leopard. It's a leopard, yeah. So the, this leopard like leaps onto Karen. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Terrifying. And Cassie's like, I could let this leopard eat her. This would solve all my problems. It gives her a moral out, too, which I thought was kind of cool. Like, listen, this isn't on me. I did not kill Karen. No. A leopard killed Karen. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Right? Could you imagine, like, think of the person you hate the most. Every cop. Okay. And a leopard jumps out of a tree and just gets on them. That's a lot of leopards. (laughs) A lot of black leopards. <laughs> jump out of the tree and 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 jump on these cops. Mm-hmm. You have a moral out of like, yeah, I kind of want this person to be dead. I don't yeah. want to kill anybody, but I want this person to be dead. Mm-hmm. That gives you a perfect moral out. Yeah, You're, it's, you, you, like, it's mo- like the whole person died of bloodlust when bullet passed through them or whatever. Yeah, right, exactly. Uh, and and that's what Cassie's been given. Like it's it's like an elemist is testing her to say like, okay, how much do you really believe in nonviolence? <laughs> right. <laughs> is is this form of inaction nonviolence? Do you think? I mean, yes. Why? Yeah. So? Why? Because, I mean, she's not killing Karen. I mean, well, no, she is killing Karen she's because co- she's she has the means to stop Karen from dying. Right. Yeah, like think about it this way then, because if you want to take that argument, you can go to the other side and say like, okay, let's say you see somebody dying on the street corner and Mm -hmm. you have the ability to save them, Mm -hmm. but you don't. Did you kill that person? Did you kill them? No, but you failed to use everything at your means to save them. Okay, is that is that a form of violence? Did you commit violence on the person dying on the street corner? I mean, I guess it depends on how much you see inaction as violence, because that's me. I'm a first responder, (laughs) and if I don't respond... When I could have. If you have the means to respond in a way that would save someone's life. Yeah. You kind of have to. I think you have to. Okay. For me, I have to. And if you don't, you see that as a form of of, uh, of violent action. I don't like the way this podcast has turned into a gotcha <laughs> podcast. Well, this whole book is a lot of that, right? Like, there's a lot of tense questions that don't have a lot of good answers. And I, I'm honestly listening to you, Nate. And that's hurting me. It's like... Well, I don't want to save anyone today. It's my day off. This this, this book is a trolley problem book. It's just like, <laughs> yeah. all right, here you go. <laughs> yeah. 
Cassie, would you kill 10 people or 12 people? <laughs> Here you go, Cassie. Here's a lever. It's, it's really a prisoner's dilemma problem, right? Like, do you go for the selfish outcome that might screw you both over? Or do you actually, like, risk trusting people, which is the only way to potentially get a good outcome, but it's also the way that you get screwed the worst, right? It's, like, I... I don't know the answer to this. I mean, like, whatever. There isn't an answer. It depends on, like... What do you what mean? You ask me all these fucking questions? There's no fucking answer? Tyler, if a tree falls in the forest and no one hears it, does it kill Karen? <laughs> <laughs> Did it land on a little girl? <laughs> Tonight well, on Unsolved Mysteries. We'll, we'll, we'll explore this further because there's so many opportunities for Cassie to kill Karen. <laughs> this is... This is going to be in my <laughs> the head. The universe wants to kill Karen so bad. <laughs> I'm starting to wonder if my inaction is turn, is is an act of violence. God damn it. Well, it's honestly like the real what, answer. What do you think, Nate? Well, the real answer is depends on your moral beliefs. Oh, great. <laughs> like it, it really does. Like if. Okay. Like think about it this way. Okay. Um, I have X amount of money that if I donated could save someone's life. X is any number. That's a lot of money. Okay, look, I'll pick. I'll pick a number. I ha- I have um, five thousand oh. dollars. I could give to somebody that would save their life mm-hmm. right now. I haven't. Did I kill someone? No. So, yeah, I, I I agree. I don't think I did. But like, y- you could see how depending on how much money I had, it would change that kind of question. Or if I. Is Jeff Bezos killing people? Absolutely. Oh, right. yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah, but, like, is purpose important? Like, it, the thing is, like, there's not, like, any questions, and I think, like, we all kind of have to decide where our moral, like, lines are drawn. It's And for Cassie, her moral lines are drawn so far in that she drowns every single opportunity. I don't know. I'm having this, like, internal dilemma of how much of a utilitarian am I? Because it's like... We all are. I mean, like, do we let the person with appendicitis die because everybody needs their organs? I mean, obviously not. Yeah. I don't know. I'm, you, you, you're cooking my noodle over here. Yeah. Well, let's 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 uh, you know stir fry that noodle and uh, take it a bit further because Cassie does save Karen from the jaguar. Not this time. Not this time. It never happened. It never happened. We made this one up. Incorrect. Didn't happen. We made it up. No. <laughs> Sorry. Sometimes I'll get cut in a beyond belief hole. I don't know if anyone else does that. It's, uh, Karen blasts the Jaguar with her Dracon beam. That's right. Cassie starts to morph, and Karen has a gun. Yeah. And blasts this leopard. Uh, that's right. Um, well, yeah. So she, gets a, she doesn't have to answer that right away. Though. Right. She gets a, a little bit of a break. But her starting to morph after that kind of helps, you know, Let's you know what her answer would have been. Right. Right. And I think that's my answer, too. Like, if I see someone collapse on the street, I'm going to run over and give them CPR. Yeah. It, it all depends on how, how far removed you are from a situation, I where, guess. Where are you at on this, Travis? Yeah, I think it is definitely situational. Uh, I think anything that you... There's a line later in uh, this book where it says like you know if you stick to anything as an ultimatum like a hundred percent of the time this is how you always act it's going to fail but you have to make that decision every time on a case-by-case basis trying to come down on any 
this is the way that you should handle it every time is inherently going to lead to gotcha situations. Oh, but I'm, right? a, I'm a stupid American. I want it to be easy. I want my two and a half men. I want my Big Bang. I want my Bazingas. It, yeah, I think I think we'll get to it. <laughs> There's a Bazinga in this? I, well, we know a Bazinga in this book. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we'll, we'll get to the Bazinga. We'll get to the Bazinga. Listeners, beware. There's a Bazinga coming. Content warning. Bazinga's ahead. So, Karen... Reveals that she had a gun the entire time. And she dropped it, and it... And it, f- it fell... It fell some, in some mud. Fell in some mud somewhere down the river. Leopard ran its ass off, because it just got shot. Yep. <laughs> it just got shot and didn't know what the hell just happened, so it's going to, like... <laughs> she, Cassie says, it's going to come back to finish the job. <laughs> like, it, like we hurt its pride. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like, this this won't stop it. Yeah, like, it, it wants revenge now. <laughs> um, they but, made the stakes personal, if you will. Yeah, but... So now Cassie has revealed that she is, in fact, not a normal uh, horse girl, but is, in fact, an animorph <laughs> uh, at, at this point. And now they're kind of debriefing about, like, okay, um, now we've dropped the act. Let's talk about who we are. Yeah. And, you know, like, I, I love this chapter, chapter 11, where it is just them talking about the nature of, of predator versus parasite. Oh, yeah. Right. This is where they yeah. start getting the conversation of what does it mean to be a yerk? Right. Which we've never, ever seen this perspective so far in these books. No, we, we've gotten the idea that there are some Yorks that have some ulterior motives. Like, I, I think of the um, Axe book where they meet the York that just pissed off that his girlfriend died. Yeah. Uh, wife. Sorry. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I shouldn't be dismissive of the, the, the dead wife guy. <laughs> <laughs> you should not. And we've also gotten Andalites that are bad guys, right? Like, the very last numbered book, not counting Megamorphs 2 was all about the Andalite that was yeah, a that traitor. So you started to see some of the bad side of the good guys. Yeah. But yeah, this is the first time we started to see some empathy for the bad guys. And honestly, I I was on the Yerk side in a lot of this book, which right? is fucking horrifying. I was on this particular Yerk side. Yeah, yeah, yeah not the Yerk <laughs> Empire. <laughs> but, but like Aftran, no, and, and Aftran four nine two. No, and I'm glad that we, we we got this speech from Aftran, which uh yes, uh the the, the Yerk has revealed that she is in fact not Karen, but Aftran is the name of the Yerk. Um, and and we kind of get some descriptions about what it means to be in the Yerk pool. And here, yeah, let me pull up a quote. The Andalites are the busybodies of the galaxy. Karen said, always sticking their noses in other people's business. We have a right to expand. We have a right to advance, but you Andalites don't see it that way, do you? No, the whole galaxy has to belong to the mighty Andalites. Which is a fair anti-colonialism or imperialism like thought. The yeah. Yurks do right. have some right to exist. Yeah, but like it, right to exist, but you know, exist at the cost of what, right? Right. Because like it, yeah, so the end of chapter 11 is kind of where I wanted to get to Tyler. Mm-hmm. Was um and the Hork Majority, like where they mention, they, they bring up that you murdered my bro. Yeah. Right. Karen nodded. Part of the time I was a Hork Bajur, I was in Visser 3's personal guard. The Visser was obsessed with Elfangor. Something personal between the two of them. I don't know what, but he hated Elfangor. I was there when Visser 3 murdered him. Murder? No, it wasn't murder. 
We're at war with the Andalites. There's no murder in war. It was murder, I said. Cold-blooded murder of a helpless person. Karen leaned forward, her face glowing from the fire. And that hork bajur whose throat you removed? Was he helpless too? I jumped up. Don't you compare what your people do with what we do. You can't compare the attacker and the victim. You people started the war. And it's you invading my planet, not the other way around. Karen jumped up, wincing at the pain in her ankle. We have a right to live. This isn't about you living. It's about enslaving other people. It's what we are, she yelled back. We're parasites. You humans are predators. How many pigs and cows and chickens and sheep do you kill each year to survive? You think being a predator is morally superior to being a parasite? At least the host bodies we take remain alive. We don't kill them, cut them into pieces, and grill them over a charcoal fire in our backyard. We're not pigs. Oh, yes, you are, she said, her face distorted and twisted with contempt. That's all you are to us. Oink, oink. I smell bacon. I smell grease. That is, um, (laughs) that's like, Karen makes a great, like, they both make really good points. I I would argue that they make good points because, I mean, there's not murder and war, but yes, there's murder and war. What, what Visser 3 did to Elfinger was murder. What Cassie did to the Hork Bajur was murder. It's the idea of having a war crime, right? Right. And they're no stranger to them. They love them. They love doing war crimes. Well, I, I like what? There's no like you know um, Andalite Geneva Convention, right? <laughs> but but like also like I like the idea of thinking about a parasite as just any other predator, mm-hmm. like a, like a human say. Like yeah, we treat animals very badly here. Yes, uh, yes we do on planet Earth, and um, they they just don't see the difference, right? Because like, is there a difference? Do you think there's a difference between? Um, what a yerk does to a human controller and what we do to, say, a pig or a cow? Um, a little, yeah, yeah, there is. Okay, what is that? Um, we, hmm, it's kind of nuanced in how you see the world, but we don't make the animals prisoners in their own bodies for the rest of their lives. Okay. Are you kidding? I mean, yes, we, we... do. Like I said, it's nuanced. <laughs> Fuck, why am I in the position of making this argument? <laughs> Tyler, God damn. <laughs> it's because I'm the moral inquisitor. <laughs> what do I, I ask you hard questions, huh? You ever cheat on anyone? It hurts. <laughs> I, I'm the elemist. <laughs> I, I, don't get ans- I don't answer questions. I ask them. <laughs> it's... No. I mean, in the grand scheme of things, no. It all goes to the same end. Like, there's the reason we invented a fucking way to make cows more happy before they die or less stressed i should say i want one of those temple granite hug boxes <laughs> god that reason is because they produce better milk yeah. like it's like it's all comes back down to profit in the end i mean yeah i say it, what we do is way worse that's a big part of what this makes this book stand out to me is because yeah i think parasites are way like neither is good, but I think that parasites are way more ethical than uh, predators in this story. Yeah, or, or the like difference, a, if, if anything, is that cows aren't sentient, right? Like it's a weird question to imagine what the Earth would have evolved like if there were two different sentient creature species. Well, I, at the same time, how about right? this? Like, I, with, I know people that specifically don't eat pigs, not for religious reasons, but for um. Cerebral reasons. Pigs are actually quite smart. 
Um, and they, they, they morally decide not to eat specifically pigs because of, you know, the way that pigs act and feel. Mm-hmm. Right. It, it, like it's a, if you ask like somebody who's like an ethical pescatarian. Right. It's that they only eat fish because fish are just essentially like, you know, meaty ocean robots. They don't like <laughs> they don't have feelings or emotions. They're fish. Um, but like if you look Big at, say, bugs. like, a, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but if you look at, say, like a cow or a pig or a goat, like they, they, they get happy. I've seen a happy goat. I had a happy goat. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Is that why it hanged itself? <laughs> well, no. <laughs> you like, want to tell that story? <laughs> yeah, I can tell that story. Um, it's, it's a short story because we didn't have this goat for very long. Right? So um, one day the family came home with a goat. I did not go to get the goat. It's just one day a goat showed up. <laughs> As the way of many of our fam- farm animals, just one day my dad would go out and pick up a farm animal come back and not tell anybody. <laughs> so we, had a, we got a goat. And the goat got tied to a tree because we didn't have a proper fence. We didn't know how to take care of a goat. So you tie him to a tree. Now, this particular tree um, wasn't like a straight like pine. It was kind of this twisted, gnarly apple tree, right? So it kind of like curved into the, like this L shape and just kind of shot back up into a tree. Um, perfect, as it turns out, for a goat to hang himself. <laughs> so this goat wow. got, somehow managed to get the rope hanged around his neck. You know, because like whatever, if you're a goat, like you don't care where this rope is, you just know that it's there. He wrapped this, uh, a rope around his neck, climbed on trees because it's a goat. It wants to get up high. That's what goats want to do. They want to get up high and, and like mount things. I want to get high and mount things. <laughs> right, exactly. And that's what it does. It got up high. It mounted something. But unlike any other goat I've known, it slipped. (laughs) (laughs) It's a very stupid goat. We were bad at owning goats. This goat was bad at being a goat. (laughs) And it hung itself. It's the perfect storm of goat death. It really is. So rest in peace, Niles. (laughs) And someday I'll see you again. (laughs) And I'll tell you all about it when I see you again. See <laughs> um, but like to, to get back to it, though, is that like you know you can you can see the argument for why somebody could be a pescatarian, mm-hmm. right? Because it's all about the consciousness of the thing that you're eating, whether or not it experiences pain, whether or not it experiences claustrophobia or what have you. Mm-hmm. Put them in that Temple Grandin hug box, fix everything. Right? You think she made that for jacking off? Mm. Yeah, I'm not gonna like I'm not gonna picture that. that's the control i have over my brain over several years of knowing you is that like it's like that thing you want to mention it's gone it's like that's out i don't have to pay attention to what you're saying (laughs) idea just like ricochets off my forehead that's poof gone no temple grand get off not happening i think travis made a great point that what we do is worse because yeah we're killing all these things one for food but too mostly for profit you don't see after saying like oh i took this little girl over because i wanted a yurt corvette yeah no that's true god um, damn we're awful just let us die yeah but like uh, on the other side of the coin though i think it is worse to say have years and years and years of torture and pain and and, yeah. and slavery <laughs> yeah like right? would being with my ex-wife Ew. i've never been married why do i keep doing this well, again, it gets kind of weird, right? Because on their home planet, my understanding of the Geds is that they're not really all that together, right? Like, they right. are kind of just, like, they're kind of shaped like monkeys, but they're dumber, more like, I don't know, good. Well, 
and like, and my thing is like, th- there's a way to ethically kind of do the thing that they're doing, mm-hmm. where it's like, okay, listen here, Ged, you're having a hard time out in the environment because you're big, stupid, lumbering monkey. Yep. Same. So, um, we'll feed you for like a- at least like you know half of your life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the other half, in return, I get to kind of take you for a ride. Oh man, we're getting into the ethics of mind control. Who? <laughs> Listen, Tyler, all I know is that, like, I know how to play the game. I Apparently. Much better than I do. <laughs> no, but, like, it, what it is is that, like, th- there are ways to, to have an ethical trade-off of services here, right? Where you can, like, if we treated cows like kings for, like, up, you know, up through most of their life and then ate them, wouldn't, like, would that be okay? No. I, I'm coming around <laughs> to this idea that maybe we don't have to eat them. <laughs> I mean, yeah, honestly, we don't. This book turned you into a vegetarian? I, it's like the more I think about it, the more I've been reading, it's like, yeah, what the fuck am I doing? Yeah. It, like I'm waiting for some person who fucking masturbates in a hug box to figure out how to make my meat good. Why? Just just give it up. Just fucking give it up. Ty, are you going to describe what a hug box is? Oh, it's Temple Grandin would like like to get squeezed on all sides by a hug box. She made it because she was like, autistic and it was the way that she would feel better like she'd have like stress and then feel overwhelmed with anxiety and she'd get in the hug box and it'd squeeze her and make her feel better okay so what did she do to cows uh made them a little playground to walk through before being killed okay but yeah <laughs> but like yeah what i'm trying to say is that like like yeah she took the stress of their final moments away sure but th- there's a way to raise- maybe we don't need to give them final moments yeah, you're right, but like you know, the, 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 this book is explaining that there is a spectrum of morality. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Right, and like, okay, so let's say you you are not convinced by the meat eating argument. You're mm-hmm. still going to eat cow. Wouldn't it be preferable to treat those cows ethically before you ate them? I mean, yeah. Just so I mean, in the end, you're still just doing it for your guilt. It's the same result. Sure. If a yerk could give you a better life than you're living now, because it could, like, you know, give you connections and business through the sharing, if it could, like, hook you up with that hot person you know. They, they have that technology kind of that you have not seen, right? Like, they, they could. Technology, but also just, like, you know, it would know the right things to say, the right ways to act right. Uh, if it could just do the things for you to give you a life that you would consider better from whatever you would call that before you get yerked. Does that make yerking okay? I don't know. It depends. I don't know. You would have to ask the person, right? Like, I think... I mean, that's what the voluntary controllers are, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, well, here's what I would say. Like, if it was to involuntarily control the entire human race, no. (laughs) (laughs) Right? That's a hard no. But if it's just like, if... The York Empire came down as a peaceful envoy and said, like, listen, we can give you a longer life, a better life, a more fulfilling life. All we ask in return is that, you know, uh, let's say a third of your time you get spent with a York brain. And you don't have to if you don't want to, but that's your choice. Would uh, would the York Empire be bad? I would say no. (laughs) I would say, like, you know what? That's fine. That you come down with the, the choice. Like, sure. Yeah. Like, we get to pick. 
I mean, would that be the Yurk Empire? No, though? that wouldn't well, be the Yurk Empire. Yeah, the Yurks living a thing. That would that wouldn't be the Yurk Empire. Nor would like we trust them wholeheartedly. <laughs> but no. like, I'm just saying that like there's a way to like ethically Yurk someone, and it's there is an ethical Yurking under capitalism. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, <laughs> no. <laughs> but um, Cass- so- Cassie continued like they have their talk. They're taking turns sleeping, and. Cassie's like, and, uh, I could kill her. Yeah, but like, there's this trust and rapport building between the two. Yeah. Right? Like, she's like, I don't want to fall asleep because I don't trust her completely, but she does anyways. Yeah. And, and, and vice versa. Karen also falls asleep. Yeah. And Cassie telegraphs the end, like, the end decision comes in this book. She says, It would be easy. I had the power. I had the power to destroy her before she destroyed me. I should do it, but I knew I wouldn't. Not now. Not tonight. Not in cold blood. Life was sacred. Even the life of an enemy. That right there, she's not going to kill this person. She's yeah. not going to do it. Cassie's a pacifist. Yeah. In this uh, in this case. <laughs> right. And she keeps trying to talk herself into doing it. It's like, but how about the lives of my friends? Weren't their lives even more sacred? Like, she's she's going back and forth. But first, Cassie, Cassie has to have nightmares. She relives some of the more horrible traumas they've sustained. She relives the end of book 10 with right. Eric the Chi just ripping everybody apart. She relives being a T-Rex she, eating. Yeah, she relives the termite queen she scene. She relives the hork bajurs, everything. Just, yeah, we get we get like a nice recap of Cassie's character arc so far. Yeah. There's been a there's a lot of that in this book. Like I and I think that really ties into something that I want to say about this book in kind of a wider context. And I'm not sure if there's going to be a better time than now, which is kind of looking at this book in the place that it comes in the whole arc, because this is almost exactly a third of the way through the whole series, right? So if you look at the first act, second act, and third act of the whole thing, this is when you're like really finishing up the first act and launching into the second one, right? And I really like looking in the mm-hmm. book in that sense of kind of not quite like a a series recap, but a way of like acknowledging how far the series has come and like looking at the kind of questions they're gonna start addressing from here, right? Right? Like getting mm-hmm. from the setting the foundation to playing around with that nuance. Like uh, early on one of the first things that uh, in the first few chapters, right after the battle uh, she goes through how each of the other teammates reacts to that first fight that they open with in the first scene. And it's a sense of, like, this is the new routine now, right? Like, these are not the characters as they were at the start of this story anymore. These are new stages in, like, their development. They are now at a new place. And, uh... I think this book is really, yeah, focused on that transition point from the characters as just the regular kids learning to adapt to this life to, okay, yes, we are past that introduction. Now we're going to get into what it is like for them now that this is their status quo. I I think that's a great point. That's, yeah, that's an excellent point. And... This, as you said, sort of blending into the next 
act in the next arc of the series, we're getting some nuance from the Yurk here. Like, Aftran makes a brilliant point. Like, they're arguing, they're walking along, they're building their rapport. They're, they're finding mushrooms. They're finding mushrooms to eat. Yeah. And which, which, by the way, I'm just like, no, don't you don't you think you know which mushrooms are good? You don't know, right? You don't. <laughs> and I really like this point that you know the villain of this book of this series makes after and says, "Do you see this? Do you see what I am without a host body, helpless, weak, blind?" And she's holding a caterpillar. She spun and pointed at the meadow. Do you see those flowers? Do you see the sunlight? Do you see the birds flying? You hate me for wanting that. You hate me because I won't spend my life blind. You hate me because I won't spend my life swimming endlessly in a sea of sludge while humans like you live in a world of indescribable beauty. She put the caterpillar down gently on its leaf. Most of you humans don't even know what you have. You have the most beautiful planet in the galaxy. No other place is so alive. and no other place are there so many trees, so many flowers, so many amazing creatures. You live in a palace. You live in a paradise. And you hate me for wanting to live there too. Like, like goddamn. Yeah, because at this point, I always just kind of assumed they liked the pools. Right. <laughs> it's like, yeah. it's like when, when I see, like, you know, a dog just, like, living in his own filth. I'm like, but he likes it, though. He likes being dirty, this dog. <laughs> right. But, like, but having the York say, actually, no, it's like you would expect. It, it smells. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we hate it. It's cold. It's dark and gray. It's like my first girlfriend was a ged turd, and I didn't even know because I was blind. It's yeah. Like, it's like... It, I, I didn't know. I thought you were cool with it. <laughs> yeah. And Cassie says, I don't hate you. I like, and, and well, Karen, uh, sorry, not Karen, Aftran. Mm-hmm. Aftran doesn't believe her. Right? right. Because like she can't bring herself. And by the way, I'm gendering Aftran. I just now realize, uh, <laughs> which we'll talk about uh, in chapter 14 about uh, how, 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 how they do it. Yeah. But, but like, uh, yeah, I guess I'm just like Aftran is also through this process of explaining her situation to Cassie, coming to terms with Cassie not hating Aftran because yeah. she needs Cassie to hate her. Yeah, right. It, it's the only way that she can justify doing the things that Yorks normally do: take over her body, mm-hmm. um, and 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 use a person to experience this wonderful world that she's describing. Yeah, and Aftran Aftran continues. Sorry about reading all this, but I think That's fine. I think we should read it. Read it. Do you know what life is like for us, Karen asks? In the Yerk pool, I mean. No. We are born with a hundred or more sisters and brothers. We don't hatch from eggs, and we aren't born in the way mammals are born either. Three Yerks join together. They literally join together with three bodies becoming one. Then that one body begins to fragment. It breaks up into smaller pieces. Grubs, they're called. Bit by bit, the body disintegrates, and each grub that falls away becomes another yerk. Sometimes there are twins, two yerks and one grub. The parent yerks die, of course. She looked at me to see my reaction. You aren't horrified? You aren't shocked? Actually, I was. I've studied a lot of different animals, so I guess I'm kind of hard to shock. Karen looked back at the meadow. In our natural state, we have an excellent sense of smell. We have a good sense of touch. We can hear, we can communicate using language of ultrasonic squeaks, but we cannot see. We are blind until we enter a host. Over the millennia, we have moved up the evolutionary chain to more and more advanced hosts. 
Eventually, the Geds became our basic host bodies. They're a clumsy, slow creature, but they have eyes. Oh, you can't imagine. You can't imagine the first time you enter a Ged brain and seize control and suddenly you are seeing, seeing colors, shapes. It's a miracle to be blind and then see. Just because they ate those mushrooms earlier and yes. they've seen, they seen the colors. Yes. Yeah, I remember that feeling the first time I took them. Yeah. <laughs> it's fucking sweet. You don't even know. The colors? The fucking colors, you guys? <laughs> the colors, dude. The colors. When you get into that Get's brain and you take control and you can see all the colors. To be blind and then see? <laughs> and it's... Like, these are compelling arguments for Yerk freedom. Yeah, well, I, I like that you use the word Yerk freedom because that's the way that they see that. They see it as, like, we, we're um, enslaved by our, our lack of senses and our lack of yeah. um, being able to see the world that every other creature does, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but does that make it right to take another person's body? That's I mean, that's <laughs> kind of where we... That's kind of... That's kind of where we end with. She says, there are those of us that wish it could be another way. That there was some middle choice between being slugs beneath the Andalite hooves and being and being slave masters, I suggested. I expected her to yell at me. Instead, she put her face close to mine. Her voice was low. Her green eyes so enormous, so I almost felt I could see them through the see them to the yurk inside. What would you do, Cassie? What would you do if you were one of us? Would you live your life as a blind, helpless slug? I didn't have an answer. Instead, I look away. A chance look. Tan and black. Moving fast. Ah, leopard! <laughs> ah, the leopard's back! I love, I love that it cuts to leopard. <laughs> because it's just like, oh, you know, like, th- this is a great conversation. And I'm, like, learning a lot. And I'm feeling a lot. And, oh, no, a leopard. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I read this book in almost one sitting last night. And I was fucking riveted with this chapter because it's like, oh, God, yeah, of course. Why would you want to be a slug in a pool, blind, trapped with no future? Why would you do that? And then, oh, God, leopard. <laughs> and I, I, I love that breakaway because, like, how do you end that conversation in a book? You can't. Like, yeah, there, it's like, oh, then we continue on our path. Like, that's boring. Yeah. Why not just have a leopard? <laughs> <laughs> Harry Potter it keeps ain't got popping no up that way. <laughs> yeah, every throughout the book, like there's constantly these moments that are really tense, and then suddenly fucking leopard. <laughs> you, like, it's, yeah, you know, it doesn't have <laughs> Finnegan's Wake doesn't have a leopard. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Let's talk about the existential life of ex- or the existential state of being alive. Oh wait, leopard. <laughs> You know what? Every single Shakespeare play would be made so much better if it ended every scene with just a fucking leopard. <laughs> Exit pursued by a leopard. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that was the best scene in Shakespeare because it's a good transition. Just be attacked by an animal. <laughs> oh, how am I going to pay back this pound of flesh? Oh, well, it looks like the merchant was eaten by a leopard. <laughs> well, what other classics would be improved by leopard? Oh, everything would be improved by a leopard. Are you kidding me? All right, well, name some classics. Like plays or just in general? Just in general. Oh, I was going to say... Pride like, in leopards. <laughs> Frankly, my dear, I don't give a leopard. <laughs> and then, just, you know, leopard. God, Jesus Christ. You truly are a king of leopard. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Oh, God, yeah. Moses with a leopard. That would be fucking perfect. Bible ends with a leopard. 
<laughs> Jesus, I've been reborn. Ah! <laughs> oh, man. So we good. know a lot about religion. Uh, yeah, he gets attacked by a leopard, right? Yeah. The leopard it. of Bohosophet? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sounds right. Checks sounds, out. Sounds like a thing. Yeah, so... Um, so they get attacked by a leopard. <laughs> they get attacked by a leopard, and that's when the leopard gets fucking slashed, attacked yeah. by a friendly osprey named Marco. Right, and this is where I'm like, okay, now things are really going to come to a conflict. Yeah, right? they because, have to. Because before it's just like an exploration <laughs> of of uh, philosophy, right? It was uh-huh. just like you know Plato and Socrates having it out, yes. and then <laughs> sucking each other's dicks. Like, man, we thought we made a thought for the world. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> And then, like, leopard, and then in comes, uh, who else is around that? Pythagoras. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, what the fuck are you two doing? You like my triangle? <laughs> it's nice, wouldn't you say? <laughs> I love Pythagoras. Marco is not Pythagoras, though. <laughs> but he has a mighty theorem. <laughs> I gotta stop. You gotta stop this. I don't like that. I got fucking pink eyes. I was gonna say, as someone with a major in philosophy, I am loving this. <laughs> The leopard in this case represents the um, the physical universe, the that... fi- the manifestation of chaos. Right, exactly, and and therefore the leopard is the uh, unignorable um, realities of life come upon the, the the two poor philosophers who have to deal with the leopard. <laughs> Q- QED. You can't outthink a fucking big cat. Yeah. <laughs> I like all your fancy thoughts. <laughs> Can you the... think a, a, a leopard? <laughs> I bet you think you're pretty smart, huh? Think you could outsmart a bullet? Yeah, huh? <laughs> Let's find out. <laughs> Let's see what some Kantian dialectics tastes like. <laughs> so Marco fights off this fucking leopard. Yeah. The leopard's Cause, like, oh, fuck. Because Cassie lives in her brain. Marco lives in an osprey that attacks leopards. Yeah, and Cassie's like, fuck this, I'm morphing. Right. She just does it. Yeah. Goes straight wolf mode. Right, because, like, the leopard, you know, it turns out the leopard actually takes out Marco because Marco, like, is a bird. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and the leopard goes after Karen again because the leopard has a taste yeah, for Karen's blood. Yeah, dragging her away. Right. But the idea of being dragged away by any animal is terrifying. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um. And and so you listen, know, listen. If there are any cougars out there that want to drag someone away and they'll be scared of it, uh, you can find me at Anamorphic Time. Ty, you're the type of person that would volunteer to be eaten by a weird German man. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I just like their culture. That's <laughs> <laughs> good. Um. Anyways, and Marcus like, what the fuck are you doing? What the fuck are you doing? Yeah, like you're revealing the big secret that yeah. we all have. <laughs> um, and, and you know. Cassie at this point just kind of says, I don't care. I'm here to save Karen. Right. Right. She already knows Marco. It's fine. It's fine. Whatever. Don't worry about it. And so they scare off the leopard and Marco like flies away and he comes back around the corner as the gorilla. And that's when they fight off the uh, leopard together. Right. Because like because Marco as a gorilla can take on a leopard. Yeah. Um, and, and the the situation is resolved. The leopard runs away, pride hurt. Yeah, and Marco's like, "Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna go change. I'll come back. We can convince this little girl that it's just a wacky gorilla. Yeah, it's just a. <laughs> no one's gonna believe a dumb little girl anyway. It's fine. Yeah. Well, what was that gump? Yeah, <laughs> we're gonna gump this little girl. It's like it's fine. It's a magical wolf. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. 
And Cassie's like, you don't say a fucking word. They'll kill you. Right. If you value your life, you won't say a goddamn it's word. It's like, listen, you can trust me. Marco will just straight up murder yeah, you. Yeah, don't, don't let them know you're a controller. And Marco's like, oh, hey, I'm an Osprey. I heard all of that. Cassie's not good at subterfuge. No, she's really not. Nope. <laughs> Which, Which is funny because she says early in the book, I got really good at lying. It's like, no, it, all no, liars think you, that. Yeah. <laughs> all, all bad liars think that. All bad I'm, liars think they're good liars. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and, and so, yeah, Cassie gets caught in, in her, her subterfuge, and Marco's like, well, Cassie, what have you done? <laughs> yeah. He says, oh, fine. there's no peace with parasites. You don't turn them around. You bury them. Right. Yeah. And, and, like, Marco, along with Rachel, along with Jake, is very much the, like, any yerk that exists needs to be obliterated. Well, Jake's not here yet. Like, Well, I mean, just, I'm, I'm trying to, like, pick up our, in the group, who would say this exact words? Right. Who would say... Um, Rachel, listen, Rachel wouldn't have said words. She just would have killed them. Right. Um, Axe, same deal. But like, you know, he has his own thing going on. Yeah, he's got a debt. <laughs> he's got a life debt. I think Jake would as well because Jake cares more about the Animorphs than Cassie. Mm-hmm. Um, Tobias, I don't think would. Really? Uh, Tobias is a part of this war and he's a part of like, he's definitely down to kill some Yerks. No problem. But like he hears things out first. If there's if there's breath to hear things out. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. I could see that. You know? Um, I would have thought that of Marco, except for this chapter, actually. I think Marco tends to give a little bit more leeway when it comes to situations like this. And but, like, he, he didn't. Like, I think no. he's done. He's like he, he's going to kill him. He's going to kill, you know, poor, poor Aftrain here. Um, and so Cassie does the dumbest thing uh, I think she does in this book. I, I want to say, like... One of the dumbest things she does in this series... Yeah. Like, one of the th- things that was things anyone does in this series. Yeah, and, like, I want to give her credit of, like, I, she's compassionate. She's doing the right thing. She's doing something. The, the only thing that she could do in this situation. But, honestly, no. I think it is kind of a bad move. I, I'm i not so sure. I think, like, intellectually, I can look at it and say, this is really dumb. Mm-hmm. But if I look at it emotionally and who Cassie is and who we've learned who Aftran is... This is her one move. Th- this is Cassie has already made the decision. She's not going to kill Karen. She's mm-hmm. not going to kill Aftran. There's only one way to prove it. Th- there'd be a way to talk. Uh, here's my thing. Uh, this is more of a, ca- uh, a move that Cassie needs to do for herself. Yeah. And less about a move that would get her out, like would resolve the situation. Right. This is effectively um, the kid running under free willy. And doing the thing where Free Willy jumps over the kid. <laughs> kid does not need to be there, but he needs to do it for himself to Free Willy. <laughs> jump, Free Willy! Jump! Jump with all your might! Oh no, Willy didn't make it, and he crushed our boy! <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> or, or let me put this a different way. Like, this is Cassie. You ever go to the Oregon Aquarium and see Keiko's dick? Keiko's, I did. Keiko's gone. I know, but when you when we were kids, you could go there and see Free Willy's dick. I did not. It was, I saw it. It's huge. Yeah, it's a whale. It dick. Looks like a big old slimy hand. It's called a dork. Moving on. <laughs> uh, real quick, I just want to say, like, this is maybe kind of me harping my own personal issues, or whatever. But uh, really, on this that podcast, definitely, <laughs> that definitely stuck out to me, which was uh, when. Cassie was explaining what might happen to the leg after it's been bitten and it might get infected and saying it might get gangrene. What will that mean? And having to get it possibly amputated. Um, and 
the Yurk says, you know, oh, great, I'm going to be stuck in not only, like, this little girl, but also a little girl who's a cripple. And Cassie's response saying, she's already crippled, I said. What do you think you've done to her? She's already lost both her legs and her arms and eyes and voice as well. And I just thought that was a really interesting, like, yeah, take on what it is like to be a controller. And, like, you know, to not get too far into it, but one of the projects I'm doing for this last quarter of school before I graduate is working on the definitions of disability mm-hmm. and different groups have different things that they uh, use as parameters. And yeah, just like the idea of what would be defined as being crippled and yeah, cause the girl does not have control of any of her bodily functions. Right. So is being a controller a disability, right? <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, yeah the I, greatest sense, right? I mean, like, if you can't control anything about your body except for your own thoughts, uh, you know, like, that, that probably classifies. Yeah, it, it feels like being in a coma, right? Yeah, I, mean, yeah. I don't know from experience, but from what TV has told me, at least, right? Like, being able to hear and kind of, like, sit there and think, but not being able to do anything. But, uh, well, it, it, yeah. it, it highlights also, like, how little, I think, uh, Yerks really think about the thing that they're controlling. Oh, yeah. And I say thing purposely, like it, it's just like I've gotten into my human meat suit <laughs> and ready to go to work. <laughs> I mean, it's let's get that pull. Let's get that pull. <laughs> yeah, <Hell> yeah. <laughs> you come on Animorphin time. You can do all the drugs you want. <laughs> we need to find those mushrooms I mean, on that log. <laughs> I just don't want to fuck up your audio, but yeah, sure. We don't care. No, we wanted that. (laughs) You've listened to the first couple episodes of this. So Cassie does the one thing. Cassie smokes weed. She has to. Mm -hmm. Cassie, Marco, both of them. It's it's part of nature. It grows in the ground, you guys. Right. (laughs) And... She wouldn't. She wouldn't do chemical <laughs> drugs. She would like only 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 things that are plants. Right. Marco would do pharmaceuticals yeah, and no. hallucinogens. Oh, are you... Cassie would do a mushroom hallucinogens, but not LSD. Yeah. Are you kidding me? Fucking Rachel would be so hooked on Xanax and fucking Ativan, like nobody's business. Ra- Rachel's very designer. I, I would have gone with Coke <laughs> for her. Oh yeah, I mean she gets to Coke, but she's also like a rich pretty woman she's she, gonna she, be able to get the prescription she wants she can afford coke too yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly she's like oh i'd never do meth while eating handfuls of adderall <laughs> yep tobias is an alcoholic <laughs> yeah <laughs> sitting on the couch with dude just slugging back a bottle a night the cycle continues <laughs> <laughs> i wish i had a son to leave <laughs> Oh wow. God! No. So Cassie does. Yeah, Ca- Cassie makes her her dramatic move. Um, I think the thing that she has to do for herself to define who she is. Yeah. Right. Th- this is kind of like the thing of like, okay, I need to put my my foot down of who I am yeah. and gain my identity. Can and- I make a decision from which there's no going back? Yep. This is it. So she she's in a position where you know Marco is gonna like you know. Start to, to gorilla down on some Yurk head. Mm-hmm. And so she does the only thing she can think of at the time and goes down to ear to ear, gives uh, Karen a little ear kiss. Uh-huh. And 
in, in, in goes Aftran into yep. her brain, and she gets yerk-brained. And Marco's like, what the fuck, bitch? <laughs> I would be saying the same thing. Yeah. It'd be like, this is the one thing that terrifies all of us. Yeah. <laughs> like, this is the like the worst case scenario. This is what happens to us. I, I yeah. would rather have a bullet <laughs> yeah. than, a, than a slug. I If it's any other yerk, she's fucked. Yeah. Yeah. Right. For right? sure. <laughs> and she... Afran immediately takes control and turns into a bird. And Marco's like, fuck this. I'm getting our friends. You're fucking dead, bitch. Yeah. uh, Would you fly away and, like, get help? Yeah. I wouldn't. Like, if I I was Marco and I had the Marco emotions that he's having, I'd just be like, all right, mano y mano, I can take you on, bird. Here we go. (laughs) Yeah, if she's mid-morph, she's vulnerable, right? That was but like, Estrin's plan the whole time, was to shoot her while she was mid-morph. No, and it's good that we took the time to, to pause on this, because I bet you Marco didn't want to make that decision. Oh, yeah. I'm that, sure. That's why he left, right? Well, he even... Well, we'll get to the part with Jake in this book about making decisions, but no, he's not going to make that decision. Ma- Marco is not willing to say, all right, I'm going to kill Cassie to get this year out. Yeah. So that's why he goes to get back up. Right. Is that, like, he, he needs... Dis- he needs people in that firing squad. Yeah. <laughs> It might not be my bullet, guys. <laughs> <laughs> if it's not your bullet, then it's my bullet. <laughs> so Aftran takes to the skies, and Cassie gets to experience some of Aftran's memories while Aftran just goes through her memories. And Cassie even thinks, oh, Aftran could just fly to a payphone and call Visser 3 and have it be over. But Aftran just flies around looking at stuff. She's like, I can see everything. Yep. I can see every blade of grass. This is gorgeous. This is beautiful. It's fun being a bird, you guys. And you would begrudge me for wanting this. Yeah. It's like, you look down on me for wanting this. Like, they reiterate that theme. Yeah. I mean, how many times has flying come up in the series as this amazing, beautiful, like, embodiment of freedom itself every right? time yeah and, every, and yeah and we're humans that are able to experience the world pretty well mm-hmm. um imagine that as a yerk where like your only experience is just being around in in a pool of uh, yeah. your friend's uh poop yeah the best part of your yeah. life is having a three-way and then dying <laughs> yeah. uh and so being a bird is probably yeah really fucking awesome <laughs> And that's when Cassie sort of realizes it's all my fault. I've just killed everybody. Yeah. But I, I, I think this also belies like her not thinking this through completely. She's like, I think I just did a really bad thing. <laughs> right. Yeah. I like, I, I, I did something impulsive that felt right at the time. And I might've just killed all my friends right. by, by doing something that I thought was ethically good. Right. Right. It's, it's like, okay. Imagine this is a trolley problem where, there's the, the the trolley is coming down the tracks and you have that lever and mm-hmm. if you break it you save everyone. Uh-huh. So you do that. You you pull the lever and in doing so the train breaks, falls off the tracks and lands in in a school and kills an elementary. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, "Oh shit, I made the bad choice." <laughs> this wasn't the good one at all. <laughs> right? <laughs> like the, this is the choice like, you know, felt good at the time but just yeah, oh shit. I didn't think it through, did I? <laughs> and there's a moment where she says, like, she didn't think about the fact or didn't realize the fact that the Yerk was going to be able to use the power to morph into a bird to fly away, right? And uh-huh. I almost wish that line wasn't there 
Because it makes Cassie just sound like a fucking idiot <laughs> instead of someone who's like, no, I realized the consequences and I chose them. Well, like, right? She's, she's not a she's not a she's not a cold-hearted strategist, right? Like she's a person who acts on emotions, right? And I guess we haven't like really seen the full effect of that until just now, where she did something based on our emotions, based on her feelings and her her empathy for poor Atran. And I still feel like that's even stronger though if she makes that ethical and emotional choice fully aware of what that choice actually is as opposed to making the ethical choice and then being like, oh, whoops, I didn't realize that the consequences were heavier than I thought they were. Yeah, I, I guess it's just like it's a it's a question of time. Did she have the time to think it through, right? Like it, it was like Marco's coming right now. I, I, I'm I feeling that this is the only way to save both Karen and Aftran, mm-hmm. right? Um, And it, it, yeah, it blows up in her face in a way. But like you're, you're, Aftran is just flying in the indecisive circle. Yeah. <laughs> right. And that's when Cassie makes her plea. She says, let's make peace right now. And Aftran says, there can't be peace between Andalites and Yurks. And Cassie says... Not peace between Andalites and Yurks, but peace between one human and one Yurk. Yeah. Yeah. And Aftran says, you want me to give up life for you? What You want me to give up everything I have? What do you give up? And that leads us to the central dilemma of this book. Like, sure, there are some more details here, but essentially they fly back down to Karen. Mm-hmm. Through a whole confluence of events, they're able to throw off the search party looking for Karen, which are controllers, and to throw off the Animorphs. They have hours of time to sit there for Cassie to stay in Caterpillar more forever. Aftran says, if you can do this, I will give up my life. And that's the central crux of this book. Yeah. And Cassie does it. Yes. She stays... First, I want to note... The first thing she says is no, and then she only agrees to it later uh, upon, you know, reflecting on it. But I do feel like it is worth pointing out that the first thing she says is no. Well, I think Cassie wants good things to happen without sacrifice, right? Like she, she wants everyone to get along and be happy because she sees this idealized world Um but she's not always eager to sacrifice for it. Yeah. And, yeah, and, 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 and after she says no, the Yurk says it's a lot easier to tell someone what they should what they must do than to do than to do it yourself, eh, Cassie? It, it's easy to say that I think that the homeless should have shelter. They yeah. should have shelter. Um, but it's a different thing to just say it and not take any personal responsibility. Yeah. You're right? not, like I, you're not giving them a home in your house or you're not building them a house. Right. So what Aftran is kind of proposing is like, no, you actually have to do the work now. You can't just say that I think that it's wrong to, to, to take over someone's body and you should just live as a slug. So I need to see proof that you're willing to make a sacrifice and if you do that, then I'm willing to make a sacrifice because I, I've been feeling bad, too, as it turns out. Yeah. Uh, I, you can't I, just make your profile picture a black square and post hashtag BLM. <laughs> yeah. Right. It's like, like it's time to get out on the fucking streets. Cassie. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, 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 and Cassie, you know, like she knows that this is it. 
Like, it, 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 reading this, it almost felt like she's been trapped in a, a, a moral trap. Mm-hmm. Right, she she's fallen into a moral pit, and she's stuck there because if she if she morphs out of the caterpillar, mm-hmm. she knows that Aftran will say like, "Okay, you're just you're saying what you yeah. you, you're just you you are just talk. You are yeah. just uh, a person who feels bad, but isn't willing to to do the work and is willing to see other people suffer mm-hmm. on your behalf." Yep. Um, but if she stays the caterpillar, then she's a caterpillar. Yep. <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah. They, and, and, they and, give up the. She gives up everything she has. She gives up her parents. Right. She gives up her friends. She gives up her life. She gives up the ability to make the world better. Yeah. It, accurately, she sees that as also a selfish act mm-hmm. because it is a selfish act on her end to yeah. stay a forever caterpillar. She's an important person in in a war for humanity's survival. Yes. She's also an important person for for Chili Pop and and her family. <laughs> And she's an important person to all the animals that she's taking care of. Like, you know, she, they're, she's in a trap because if she stays a caterpillar, people are going to suffer. She morphs into, into normal Cassie, then people are going to suffer. Yeah, she has to kill Aftran or Aftran's going to say, I know the secret of the Animorphs. Later. Yeah. And, and so, like, her actions are going to cause pain to somebody no matter what. Right. And there's no amount of pacificity that will will prevent that. Yeah. So she makes a choice. She makes the choice to hurt herself. Yes. Which is a brave thing to do. The first brave act. And she follows through. Yeah. She follows through. Would you? I would hope that I would. I can't can't say that I would, but I, I hope that I someday have that kind of conviction. I hope I have that kind of conviction, but I don't think I would do the choice that she did. It's it's a hard fucking choice. It is. Like I'm not saying it's easy, but like what I'm saying is that it's a choice of do you suffer for your enemies or do you suffer for the people that you know? Well, I mean, <laughs> and like it, I'm not I'm not saying like, you know, yeah, fuck those guys. <laughs> right? Fuck them kids. <laughs> yeah, I'm not saying, like, fuck them enemies, right? Because, like, you know, ultimately, like, yeah, no, we should all get along. But I know the people I know. Like, I, I know that they're not monsters, mm-hmm. right? And I know that you you guys are, like, the enemies, you're probably not monsters either. But, you know, I, I would deal with the, the thing I know first, I guess. I, I would deal with the selfish thing first. It, it, really, what it is is the selfish thing first. Like, right. I would deal with... I would rather protect my friends and family first, I guess, than my enemies' friends and family. See, I... The, go on. The book uh, puts it really pointedly. There's two lines back-to-back. Uh, to lose my parents, my friends, the entire world. To save my parents, my friends, maybe even the entire world. And you do have that maybe in the latter version, right? And I think that's obviously really critical of the definitely losing everything to save some things for sure and maybe everything too. It's a hard fucking choice. It's a hard choice. Yeah, but Cassie makes, I think, the Cassie choice, which is I'll take the pain. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it's it, I'll, I'll suffer on... On your behalf yeah. for, for the, the... You know what it is? And I, I don't mean to be so dismissive of, of Cassie is that I will help the person that's right in front of me. Okay. I think that she, she sacrifices herself for the thing that is just right in front of her and, and, and doesn't think about the wider picture, which is like to her credit, I think, in many cases. She, she helps the... Th- 
She helps whoever needs it first that is just in front of her. I mean, I get that. That's what I do at work. You got to have some rubric, and that's a rubric. It's just like, is it in front of me? Is it hurt? I help it. <laughs> right. And to, to Cassie's credit, this entire book has been her struggling with not feeling. Yeah. With living with this husk, this depressed thing she's become. Mm-hmm. And now she is asking someone to trust her and to sacrifice everything they have for her. And it finally clicks with her that she also has to sacrifice too. Yeah. And that's fucking hard. That's really fucking hard. You, you know what? Like, I, I think I get that. Is that like she has met somebody in Aftran that, it, that understands her mm-hmm. in the way that the other Animorphs do not understand. Yeah. Right? Like she, she was rejected from the Animorphs in the beginning of this book mm-hmm. because they just didn't get it. Aftran gets it. Yeah. And I think that's why she makes this choice because, like, you know, Aftran, you understand what I'm going through. Yeah. So and I, I understand what you're going through. The, yeah. Well, Aftran doesn't know that, though. Right. Aftran does not trust Cassie. And this is the, the, the trust fall of mm-hmm. just like, I will turn myself into a caterpillar so you know you're not alone. Yeah. <laughs> and fuck, man, she does it. Yep. Turns caterpillar. Forever. Cr- crying cat- the entire time. Yeah. And, <laughs> uh, and she's like, oh, there, there goes color. There goes my legs. Yeah. I slowed it down just so I could remember my parents a little bit longer. Yeah. It's like, oh, fuck. And this and, and this is where uh, me reading this for the first time, I'm like, okay, I wonder where this is going. And then I turn my page. Next page, it says, Jake. I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> 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 oh, shit. Is this, did she, like, do a forever bird? Did she just do this? And because, like, I, I don't know. Like, I just... Right? I just assumed that like it was always gonna be the crew until like in the later part, and then who knows what the fuck is gonna happen because right. that's how books work normally. Uh-huh. That's how that's how serialized novels work mm-hmm. is that you keep your crew together because you you spent time with them and you don't want to re- have to rebuild those relationships. Yeah. Um, until the very end, and then you know characters are going off and yeah. left and right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> who knows what happens at the end of the books? It's, but yeah. like, and so so reading this, I'm like, oh man. I, is this is this like a good book series? Are they going to do the thing where they kill off some main characters along the way? Is this like a wheel of time? Did they wheel of time some things? <laughs> it's not quite. Okay. In the end, it is for kids. Right. Okay. So I actually have not read Wheel of Time, but I know that that book is kind of ruthless when it comes to killing off main characters. They do kill some people, <laughs> man. Yeah. Moiraine. Never finished the series. I'm sure she comes back. It's fine. <laughs> Whatever. It, uh, it doesn't matter, but like the, seeing the next chapter just being Jake, it's I'm like, jarring, isn't it? it? Yeah, it's like this yeah. is not a megamorph. What are you doing? <laughs> yeah. And we basically get catch up. It's really unimportant. Shit. Yeah, we, we can we can honestly like cruise by a lot of this yeah, Jake stuff. Jake, it's like oh, oh, Marco found Cassie. Oh, okay, wait, Cassie. Like the most crucial thing that happens in these Jake chapters is that Marco tells the animorphs what happens, and Jake says. Cassie or the little girl, neither one of them leave alive. Mm-hmm. And he, yeah. had, he has that line where he says, I needed to be the one to make the decision, and I made it. Yep. And it's like, oh, fuck. Yeah. Jake's growing up. <laughs> well, it's, it's more of just like, I wish, and I don't want to, you know, I'll, I'll talk about it at the end, but like, I have some hangups about the character they chose to take as the first-person perspective. Mm-hmm. And, and I'll talk about it when we kind of fin- wrap this up. But Jake is turned into kind of the the dis, uh, detached commander of, I do what needs to get done for the mission. Mm-hmm. I'm about the mission now. 
God damn it. <laughs> you know, he's the person that says, blow up the bomb when there are people, like the, the, the soldiers are still mm-hmm. inside because we got to finish the mission. Yep. And, and yeah, yeah, he's just like, kill Cassie for the mission. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, they fly off to, to go take care of Cassie either way. Yeah. Um, and they discover that there's a little girl crying over a caterpillar. Yeah. <laughs> they, they're like, um, yeah, we, we found the, the controller. She's crying over a caterpillar, and we're all a bit worried. <laughs> uh, come over here. We need to talk. <laughs> yeah. And Aftran lays it out, said, this is what Cassie and I, this is the deal we made. I'm going to honor it. Mm-hmm. You're probably going to kill me. And one by one, the Animorphs have to decide whether or not they're going to kill Aftran. Yeah. And in the end, they cannot break Cassie's promise to yeah. this little girl. It, it wasn't about making peace with Aftran. It was more about respecting Cassie's choice Yeah, as, which, a, as a friend. Yeah. Which, There's a line that comes before the uh, neither Cassie nor that girl gets away that I wanted to highlight, which feeds into that respecting the choice, which is uh, Jake speaking, saying, maybe we'll lose, maybe we'll win, I said, in reference to the war at large. But if we win and someday it's all over, you better hope that there is still plenty of Cassies in the world. You better hope that not everyone has decided it's okay to do whatever it takes to win. Which, great fucking point. Yeah. It, why, why, why be in a war if there's nothing left? Yeah. Jake says a smart thing, which, uh, you know, it's like, yeah. <laughs> it's like, wow, did you expect that, Nate? Jake to grow? Uh, well, <laughs> he, and that's why I really have always loved about the series is that they respect that there is no one correct point of view right you need cassie's you need rachel's you need jake's you need all of them right uh some of them are just you know particularly strong characters to relate to as a reader but like all of these different philosophies are treated as equally valid in their own right in the end Mm -hmm. Yeah, they, they they all go, uh, including Rachel, admittedly last. <laughs> Rachel was the last one to to head out into the woods to follow Jake and, and Caterpillar, uh, Caterpillar GF. And, huh, and, 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 and then we get to the part of the book I dislike. <laughs> <laughs> it's Well, before we get to that, yes, we get this lovely little bit of Cassie going through metamorphosis. Uh, y- yeah. Where she turns finally... Well, I, I want to learn more about Into metamorph- her butterfly. Yeah, I want to learn more about the butterfly m- metamorphosis. It was the butterfly, I tell you, the butterfly. Nobody ever suspects the butterfly. <laughs> I didn't burn down the school. It was the butterfly, I tell you, the butterfly. No one ever suspects <laughs> the butterfly. <laughs> it's, if I'm not quoting that, I'm going to be quoting the Venture Brothers. So, Travis, I believe you have some butterfly facts. Prince Jake and Cassie, Tobias and Axe, Rachel and Marco, the bandits are here. They want to listen to animal facts. Fuck all the yurks, Marco's mom is a bitch. Alright, so I got a few few things on butterflies in general, real quick. Um, one website said there are 17,500. Another one said 24,000 different butterfly species. Jeez, Mother uh, Nature, get it together. One, right? 
that's a pretty big margin of error. Uh, and then the first one that said 17 and a half says that there are 750 specifically in the United States. So how, how many you know. are there now, though, compared to like, uh, you know, 10 <laughs> yeah. years ago? Right. Yeah. Compared to 10 years ago, 20 years ago. Anyway, um, so they can taste with their feet, which I thought was very appropriate for a Animorphs yeah. podcast. Yes, it is. God, that'd be terrifying. Um, I, I live right? in the city. Uh, I don't want to taste with my feet. <laughs> uh, they can see ultraviolet, which is appropriate to kind of what there is a recurring theme in this book of color and the concept of sight. So the idea of being able to see in a spectrum beyond what we as humans can is actually pretty cool and appropriate. Uh, they can't fly when it gets too cold, which I think is kind of cute. <laughs> and uh, I don't know which speed specifically, but a website says that the fastest butterfly top speed is 12 miles per hour. Nah, I can, I can uh, beat a butterfly in a foot race <laughs> any day. So I did some photo comparison and it was actually relatively difficult to find because there's a lot that look kind of similar but not quite but then i found these finally and i'm pretty positive this is what we're looking for so like i said yeah 98 percent sure that it is a black swallowtail also known as a east american swallowtail or a spice bush swallowtail Ooh, Ooh, spice uh, bush, the, yeah. i knew a few yeah. i knew a few people like that you know what I'm saying? that, that uh, no i don't Oh, the pubic hair. <laughs> Tastes funny. That's the joke. <laughs> I'm going to insert that John Lithgow pubic hair quote. <laughs> oh, please do. With your wife's pubic hair. I hope you remembered to floss. I did. With your wife's pubic hair. Oh, another John Lithgow uh, quote you can add in. Yeah. Shut up, cunt. <laughs> well, please. Um, sorry. John Lithgow well, talk. We- uh, the Latin uh, scientific name is Papilio Polyxenus. Papilio! Uh, Papilio! Papilio! Papilio, get back over here! They, you can find them in most of the northeastern United States, north to, into Quebec, uh, Saskatchewan, Colorado, and southeast California. Uh, southeast California. Yeah, yeah, they're in blah, California. Blah, blah. I'm telling you, yeah. they're in California. I'm going to find me an Animorph. <laughs> I'm going to fuck him. So, like I said, yeah, there's another species that looks very similar. You can only really tell the difference by what the groves are eating and where. Um, there are... But here's some fun extension of that. So, the females of the, the species intentionally mimic another species that is more foul-tasting to predator birds and so sometimes the males will present as the females more often than other species of butterflies do with this kind of dimorphism in order to kind of piggyback off of that uh negative uh signals to ward off predators okay um so, yeah, kind of cross-dressing trans butterflies. That's kind of fun. Um, <laughs> Hell yeah. Into it. So they tend to... The males have a four-to-one 
ratio against the females, and they are very territorial with their... Holy shit, do butterflies pots. fight? Do they fight each other? I, it didn't say how uh, Oh, man, they... I just want to see a butterfly fight another butterfly. <laughs> like, I'm not into blood sports normally, but... It would be so cute. It'd be like, oh, this is beautiful. <laughs> They're just, like, <laughs> gently, like, just boxing each other. <laughs> boxing for that uh, box, male... man. Secure that purse, you know? yeah. Males defend territories of about 70 square meters. Uh, <laughs> it's they probably real gross. Six... They probably just like throw up on each other or something. <laughs> they uh, spend about 67% of, their t- 67% of their time perching, 25% patrolling, 6% feeding, and the last 2% interacting with other butterflies. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking butterflies, man. Uh Basically, the um, quality of their territory is the number one uh, for thing that is selected for by females, so it's really important. Um, when they do engage with each other, uh, courtship lasts for about 45 seconds. Yep, yeah, same. The, yeah, same uh-huh. yeah. the male and the female will flutter near each other. Uh, momentarily fly an approximate distance of 20 meters away from where courtship started and mates after landing. <laughs> the coupling lasts from 30 to 45 minutes. Oh, fuck. After a successful mating, a female must survive, temporarily avoid, and reject other courting males. So it's, it's like Tinder, is what <laughs> you're telling me. It's just like, you know... So this butterfly has got to fly for a while with a load in her <laughs> so she can... While other males are coming after to attack her, I assume, like, yeah. I don't know hey, why. Hey, bitch, you like to look at my house? You want to fuck? <laughs> no, I'm full, I'm full already. Thanks. I, I'm full of it. Uh, if the ma- female does survive, I'm not sure which part of this process it doesn't specify, <laughs> uh, she will mate more than once to ensure fertilization of her eggs. Excellent. By full, I mean, you know, there's a little bit more room there, uh, hot stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I'm sorry. Actually, just peed. Can we fuck again? <laughs> I, I like you more than the other guy. I, I, you know, I just go my way to get to you. Right. I wanted to make sure I knew what I was doing before I had your babies, which I really wanted. Oh <laughs> man, butterflies. Well, that's butterfly facts. Then I take it. Oh, Uh-oh. and uh, it is also the state butterfly of both Oklahoma and New Jersey. You can't have the same butterfly in two states. You, you Oklahoma, New Jersey. I'll see you behind the pool. I want you to fight. (laughs) It is named after uh, the Greek mythological feature. uh, Sorry. (laughs) Greek mythological figure, Polyxenia, who was the youngest daughter of King Priam of Troy. Oh, yeah. King Priam of Troy. I I know that one. Yeah. He's in all of it. Do they call them butterflies because they flutter by? Jesus Christ. I'm, I'm going to say yes. Come, my lady. Come, come, my lady. You're my butterfly. Sugar, Sugar baby. baby. First, I'm going to turn into a chrysalis and melt all my organs. Melt all my organs. And then experience death. <laughs> yeah. Which, uh, I mean, that's animal facts, yeah? Uh, yeah, that wraps it up. I got some other bullshit, but that's the good stuff. That's, we like that stuff. Animal facts. Woo. Woo. So... The, uh, so Cassie is now a forever butterfly. It's been two hours. She, yeah, she over, is, and it's like they cut like a week ahead, and Cassie starts to hatch. 
Yeah, and this is where I'm like, this is still a very good book, right? Because, <laughs> like, at this point, I was kind of fully convinced that Cassie has left the Animorphs. This is the first, like, actual casualty that the Animorphs have mm-hmm. encountered. Cassie has turned into a butterfly. Or, or not, not not a butterfly at this point, but Cassie has turned into a chrysalis, mm-hmm. which is the metamorphosis stage of Caterpillar. Yep. And um, is now hanging out behind the school in the garden, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which I think is kind of a risky spot, but, like, whatever. <laughs> Close to friends, I guess. Yeah, and um, I was like, "This is this is a great end where they're yeah. like they're 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 taking care." They're like, of- "Oh my god, Cassie's hatching!" So they all come together to yeah. watch her hatch. And I'm like, "This is, it's it's touching and tragic at the same time." It's right. like yeah. we didn't lose Grandma; she's just now a, a, a butterfly now. Right. Like, you know? <laughs> Your hooker mom is now a floating feather, kid. I'm Forrest Gump. I'm Dad. <laughs> I mean, I, I wasn't gonna go that direction. <laughs> oh, it's just what I think been thinking about gump lately hey never mind i won't bring it up (laughs) (laughs) um but like but cassie yeah so um what was once cassie has now erupted in a butterfly and like who knows what's what's like going on with cassie at this point oh axe knows (laughs) well (laughs) axe has an idea right um, like uh, when Cassie was like the, the last chapter of Cassie saga, mm-hmm. right? We kind of see her like experiencing death and fading away and doing what Tobias did with a hawk, which is just become a butterfly. Yeah. Right. And she's like, oh my God, the colors, I'm alive. I can fly. Right. She, t- it, it's the last chapter of, of Cassie's experience where she turns into a butterfly. Yeah. She finally hatches. She, and I tested my wing. Sunlight had dried them. I was what I was, a butterfly. I would live a short life in a world of flowers. I wanted to cry, but my butterfly instincts told me I had work to do. Flowers, loaded with pollen, waited for me to help them live. It's like, oh, that's the end of Cassie. Yeah, like, I mean, I'm like, that, that's, that's a great ending where Cassie, like, is not a worm. She's not, she's not resigned to the fate that Aftran, want, not wanted, because Aftran, rege- uh, like, regretted her choice to... Um, you know, convince Cassie to turn into a caterpillar. Yeah. Right. Yeah. She says she wanted to tell Cassie she believed her and it was okay and she could turn back, but. But she couldn't hear her because she was a. a she was a butterfly. Caterpillars well, can't caterpillar, hear yeah. shit. Yeah. Caterpillars, they, they don't have ears, it turns out. Yeah. Um, but, like, you know, having her change, metamorphize into a butterfly to be, like, this happy, like, you know, beautiful creature going from flower to flower and drinking up that nectar. That's not a bad fate. Yeah, there, there are worse fates out there. Yeah, like I mean, they, she'd only live for a few days. Yeah, but like but, honestly, you know. if I was a butterfly, I'd probably only want to live for a few days too. <laughs> Fair. I'm like, yeah, a few days sounds about right. Yeah, I. Yeah. <laughs> I ate a flower. I fucked on it. What else can I do? Time to pass on. Yeah, I'm not gonna write the great American novel. <laughs> right. Um, but that's not what happens. No. So it like that chapter cuts back to Axe, J- Jake, Jake. And they're like, they gather around, they're watching the butterfly, and Axe is like, oh, she morphed. That means the two-hour time limit's not there, so she can just morph back. And I was like, fuck off, Axe. What are you talking about? No, that is not, that's not morph. That's, <laughs> that's, not, that's not morphing. Luckily, there's a Real loop. quick, I want to take a moment to appreciate the moment when Jake finds out in class and what it would be like for anybody else in that room seeing him say to nobody in particular, quote, I thought it was supposed to be 10 days. <laughs> Sorry, I have to leave. I'm going to hurl. 
and then just runs out of the room. He goes through a bit more in his head, but that is what he says back to back. And, and, and he's yeah. like, what would you make of that? And to make it even more suspicious, right? So, like, all, all the Animorphs are hearing in class that Cassie's a hatching. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, Jake says he's going to hurl. Um, Marco wants to quit cigarettes. Yeah, Marco's just like, oh, I, I need to get my nicotine patch to the teacher. Rachel, I think, just leaves. <laughs> what is Rachel? She leave? also gets sick. Yeah, she needs to hurl as well. Tobias is watching. They bring Axe in human form. And, and for me, it's like, you know, I think somebody would notice that all these kids are about to hurl at the same time. <laughs> and maybe yeah. wonder what's up. And that's, I mean, that's when we get, you know, our cop-out ending. Of yeah. Axe saying, oh, she can just morph back. So she morphs back. Yeah, because she went yeah. she went through a, a form of morphine, and yeah. that counts. I guess. It reset the clock, and that was in, brings me back to something I didn't bring up in Animal Facts, which is kind of cool, which some people might not know, is that when a caterpillar turns into a butterfly, the whole thing literally liquefies inside of that cocoon and turns into just genetic goo. And reforms entirely from scratch. Yeah. Yep. And the axe is like, oh, yeah, that's a form of morphine. That counts. Yeah. Come on, Cassie. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a cop-out. It takes the emotional stakes of this book, and it pops them. Yeah. I said earlier, the leopard is the number two biggest piece of bullshit plot device <laughs> in this story. This is by far the number one, if not in the entire series. For sure. Yeah. Like, I mean, I yeah. get why you have to do that. Like, if you're writing a scholastic book mm-hmm. and you d- you need to find a way out of this situation, like, this is what you got to do. Yeah. I think it was just like... They they wrote themselves into this corner, and they needed to find a way to write themselves out. And it, sure, this didn't make sense, but it was clever, right? <laughs> you know, like, which is a shame because it's such a good book. Otherwise, yeah. right? Like, it's all about philosophy and sacrifice, and what does it mean to like give yourself to a war? Yeah, right. And it completely says like, oh, never mind. <laughs> well, I th- I think just what this is is like this is. Also, we need to go back and we need to make this scholastic, right? We need to have the animal fact of mm-hmm. like, well, did you know, kids, that caterpillars actually morph into a different <laughs> creature? Blue morpho. Got it. Right. Well, and, and like, what I keep on thinking back to dinosaurs after we did Megamorphs. <laughs> it's, there's this quote from Jim Henson where like we could talk about wherever whatever we wanted to on the show Dinosaurs as long as the baby hit the, the, the dad yeah. in the head with the pan, right? Like that that's that's uh-huh. like we need we can do whatever we want with the series of animorphs as long as there's some educational material in right. it. And I think this is kind of what that is. Is that like we, we got to have something in here. It can't just be you know, it can't just be a f- philosophical book. It has to be also kids did you know this right. fact about an animal. As long as there's some resumption of the status quo, we can destroy these kids as much as we want. Yeah. And like I, I think uh, so far, every book has had something that could be considered educational. Mm-hmm, for right? sure. So, like, yeah, I think this is its educational moment in the traditional sense. Mm-hmm. Whereas the actual education is in the ship before that. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, we do get a nice little coda at the end where Cassie runs into Karen at the mall. And Karen's like, Aftran didn't want you to do it. At the end, we she begged you not to. But <laughs> I'm free. I'm free. I'll always be free. Yeah, I'm like... Little girl, <laughs> how you doing? Yeah. Karen is just kind of going back and to, to Cassie and saying, like, listen, you made the right choice. Yeah. Um, and 
uh, Karen's dad agrees to fund the wildlife clinic, and it's all a happy ending. Yeah. Oh, that also reminds me. How the fuck was it so hard for them to infest this super billionaire if they already had his daughter, right? Why can't they just have her go to him in the middle of the night while he's asleep and she sticks her ear next to his and ta-da, they're done, right? Yeah. Or I mean, like, I think it's just, like, <laughs> classic bad York plans. Like, they have a lot of these where right. it's just, like... In order to kidnap the pre- in order to yerk the president, we have to get the CIA director. But in order to get the CIA director, we have to get like some guy in accounting. Yeah, we got to drink the blood of a Secret Service agent, right? Like, like yeah, there, there's always some like some convoluted thing to it. So like, uh, but like all that, I think they 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 skim past it because it doesn't really matter for the core of this book, right? The core of this book is the first and second act. Yeah, right. The Cassie's dilemma, her trolley. Yeah. <laughs> so. Uh, th- that that's Animorphs nineteen yeah, the decision. I, I loved it. It's a great book. I it I like teared up and got sad during yeah. this book. Like, I, I, it's it's hard to, to talk about in this format. I think because the, the writing is really good. Like yeah. the actual like I, I I'm tempted to call it prose, but yeah, it's prose. Yeah, the the, the actual like language used in this book is effective. Yeah, in, I would, in a way that other Animorph books aren't. This like despite the cop out there at the end, I would put this probably. Top three Animorph books of the whole series. Yes, yeah, one hundred percent. I think that it tackles adult subject matters uh, in 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 a in a serious way, in a respectful way, in a way that is not like preachy. Yeah, which is hard to do, mm-hmm. right? Like I didn't feel like I was being preached to no. at any time during this book. And I actually uh, found a quote from Applegate. The shout out to Seropedia for this, but uh, I think it's worth reading. Sometimes the bad guys of the world come at you guns blazing. Sometimes they come at you wearing a mask, hiding their intentions, deceiving and manipulating, turning one person against another without giving you a fair chance to fight back. Life would be easier all around if evil people would simply announce that they are evil. Life would be easier all around if evil people would simply announce that they are evil so we could all reject them. But in many cases, evil creeps in, hiding behind politics, philosophy, patriotism, law, religion, science, art. Sometimes evil can be very plausible, logical. That's why we've gradually fleshed out the history of the Irks. I hope that readers will, on occasion, find themselves thinking, you know what, the Irks are making sense. They kind of have a point. It's easy to figure out right and wrong when it's clear as black and white. But the challenging in, but the challenge in our lives is to be able to figure out right and wrong even when the bad guys kind of have a point. There you have it everybody. Kathy Apples. Right right, right from the apple's mouth. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that's that's Animorphs number 19, the departure. Travis, thank you for coming along on this departure with us. Thank you both for having me. Absolutely. It's a real honor. Anything you want to plug? Any, any shit you got out there? Any, any parting words? Anything you want to tell Actually, these people? I did want to say real quick, yeah, speaking of Kathy Apples, I just really want to appreciate how awesome she... I know you two have given praise to her and mixed praise and criticism to her husband, uh, Michael. <laughs> but... Um, I will say as a 
I did mention earlier when you're talking about the the personal background with this that my partner who I've been with since the 10 year anniversary party of my injury uh, one of the big things that we bonded over was young lit- young adult literature specifically animorphs and I have here my copy of the final book in the series which they worked very hard to make the gift work out on time. As, as much sniping as we do on Michael Grant and as much love as we give Kathy Apples, I truly do think they're caring, thoughtful, heartfelt individuals. I mean, we wouldn't have this yeah. podcast if they weren't. No, and, and also I like to acknowledge the amount of risk that they take with these books as well. Yeah. Like, it, it, Absolutely. It, it, I want to say it takes balls, but there's, there's a better way to, to enunciate it. Like, it, it takes take, balls and a big fat pussy to do this. Yeah, it takes courage to, to the write. The fattest of pussies. <laughs> yeah. It, it, God, it, my back hurts from carrying on this fat <laughs> pussy all day. <laughs> it, it, it takes courage to write these vulnerable stories for adults. And in order to frame it like an, uh, a children's book series is risk. Because mm-hmm. at any point, one of the editors just say, nope, too serious. Yeah. Make it about butterflies. And, you know, they didn't. They didn't, like, back down, I think, from, from what they truly believe. And you can kind of see that in this book. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, you know, I, I'm glad they did. I think it was important for a lot of people. Yeah. It's, this book This book has stuck with me for 34 fucking years. Yeah. God, I'm old. Yep. Uh, you know what you should do, though? What? Um, come, come, my lady. lady. Come, 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 my lady. lady. Sugar, baby. Such a sexy, sexy, pretty little thing. This April bitch, you got me sprung with your tongue ring. And I ain't gonna lie, cause your loving gets me high. So to keep you by my side, there's nothing that I won't try. 